Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I am on the road. I am desperately trying to get on the road. We are heading to Billings, Montana. There is a huge snowstorm coming in, and I am on my way. I'm flying into Denver tonight, then driving to Billings, Montana, then Duluth, then Fargo, then Des Moines, then Fort Wayne, then, did I say Duluth? It's not Duluth. Duluth is the next week. Duluth, Minnesota is next week. We're doing a stop in at Madison on State uh, Monday night, I think. I think it's already sold out. And then Wednesday's off, and I'm shooting my special in Omaha. Omaha, if you are listening, we will be adding seats uh, because we had kills for the cameras, and we're opening those up so you can get tickets at burtburtburt.com for any of my tour dates. Alaska, we've had a second show at the uh, Alaskan Airlines Arena. Uh, get tickets there. Europe, Oslo, Stockholm, Berlin, Denmark, Dublin, Athens in Greece, Manchester, We've added a second show at Manchester, I think. London, London, Glasgow, 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 Glasgow. What if I got stuck like that? Newcastle, Amsterdam, Antwerp, Manchester, Birmingham, and then Williamsport, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'll be at Williamsport. Oh, yeah. Oh, have I announced? Oh, I announced my whole tour. I've announced my whole tour. The top, this is tops off. This is different than relapse. This is tops off. We're in Tampa at the Emily Arena. We're in Boston. That's almost sold out. We've added two shows in the Mullet Arena. I'll see if I can get Theo Vaughn to show up. Savannah, Georgia. Tampa at, at the Emily Arena. Uh, TD Gardens in Boston. Orlando at the Amway Arena. Cedar Rapids, Green Bay. Minneapolis. It goes all the way until... Oh, huge. have I announced it fully loaded? Never mind. Today's podcast is a great podcast. I, I first saw this dude. We did not talk about this, and I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't. We had a great fucking conversation. Uh, he had a run-in with some, with some students at a show, and we don't talk about it. He talked about that on Rogan. His name is Namesh Patel. If you are interested in checking out that conversation, that's the first time is when that sh shit happened to him. So I was like, this dude's funny as fuck. And I, I was like, this is the... Poor young lady approached him on stage and was like, you're done speaking. <laughs> he talked about that on Rogan. We do not talk about that on today's podcast. He is a hilarious comedian. He is blown up on TikTok. He really has. He's got a special called Thank You, China. He released it about, I think, five months ago on YouTube, and it is huge. He is amazingly talented. We talk about his cousins. We talk about him partying with his cousins. I wish I knew his cousins. We talk about Indian food. We talk about... Uh, New York Indian food, London Indian food. We have a great conversation. Dude, I wish I was drinking. It was during Sober October because I could have a few cocktails with this guy. Um, ladies and gentlemen, check out his special, Thank You China, on YouTube. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on uh, on TikTok. All those links will be below in the description. Without further ado, my friend, stand-up comedian, Namesh Patel. Peter, can you please let, I don't know, I bought, I got McDonald's for Burger King for it. Oh, shit. shut the fuck up. I could definitely go for some bread. Uh, did you just do Papa's podcast? Yeah, I just did Papa's. Give me olive bread. Oh, fuck, yeah. We have, a, we have a good knife over there, too. Who oh, grab, a, grab a good cutting board. Grab a good cutting board. We should make a butter board. 
Are you recording? Okay. That's perfect. Should I hear good? Yeah, it's perfect. I can have him sit a little more to his left. Okay. Don't worry about them. Just go ahead and cut it. Fuck yeah. I haven't had any bread today. I haven't had anything. You haven't had anything? I've got I got Burger King in there if you're hungry. <laughs> I just made it rain. Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne. Uh, no, he was did this fucking video of him eating. Look at that fucking. That sharp knife is the sharpest knife you're ever going to fucking get near. This guy sent me. Oh, my God. Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you not cut, cook a lot? No. Okay. Clearly. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Come here. That's so interesting. Are you single? No, why? Okay, you don't cook for your tick? No. That's so interesting. I, I mean, I've been you you before. were holding it like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Tom, Papa. Where's this? Oh, my bad. There we go. Thank you, Bert. That looks fucking awesome. It does look very good. Uh, it's from, I don't know who is it from, Lodge Bread or something, but. What? No, no, no. I guarantee you he made it. No, no, no. He was telling me he was in Vegas last night, so he couldn't make any bread for me. Oh, for real? So oh, he so bought he... something. He said it's very similar to what he would make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, this is good. This is really good bread. Do you know, do you understand anything about uh, sourdough? <laughs> I don't know. It's shit, really but... fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. The thing about sourdough is the starter, the mother is what they call it. Mm-hmm. So this, the mother is, is passed along from generations. Like I'm not doing the right, I know there's someone's probably losing their shit, but possibly 200 fucking years. So we got a starter from Jerusalem. Me and like my the wife. yeast starter? It's the yeast. So okay. there's this yeast that they basically pick from and they give to you. And then you can start using that to make your bread. You can and yeah, and you pull some off, I think, and you put it to the side. Mm-hmm. But that's your starter. That's your like your mother yeast. We got one from the lady that sold us her house, a Jewish woman. She got some from back from like Jerusalem, gave us some, and we were making bread. And to think that you're making bread where th- it, this bread started 150 years ago yeah. when they were making bread is the coolest fucking thing in that's the world. That's an interesting feeling. And so there's one in San Francisco. That has like the oldest starter in the world. Mm-hmm. You ever do? Uh, you ever do? Um, it's the club in San Francisco. Cobbs? Yeah, you ever do Cobbs? Yeah, yeah. So you know, down by the wharf. Yeah, there's a, a bread place down by the wharf that has like the oldest starter ever, and we made bread with those people. It's uh-huh. fucking insane. Well, how long is the process? Well, I mean, you you make the bread. You got to let it rise. You got to let it. I mean, that's like the coolest thing is all these bubbles are. Or the bread rising yeah. and then getting this this yeast kind of it's almost like beer yeah like getting these holes in it um i've never been a big bread guy like a good bread guy me either but it's so cool and it's, it's a really cool thing that tom does but um but but yeah there's i mean there's i don't know there's i wish there's a ton of things i wish i did but i don't do any of them yeah i wish i mean i wish i <laughs> baking is not one of them that i wish i did but i want to get better at cooking i was just talking to tom about it about like I just recently rediscovered how good Indian food is. Don't give me. <laughs> you want to talk about it, <laughs> dude? You want to talk about it? Are you Indian, food? Indian food all day. So I was first introduced to Indian food at a Russian strip club. Okay. <laughs> they had all the strippers had eaten Indian food, and I didn't know what it was. Mm. So Indian food, when you cook it for someone and serve it to someone, is great. But when you smell it down the hall, mm-hmm. or you smell it 
on someone is fucking disgusting. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and so these strippers had all eaten Indian food clearly at dinner. Mm. And I was getting lap dances and I was like, they smell horrific. <laughs> so I don't. I grew up in Florida, so we never had like Indian food right. at all, at all. I mean, there, I mean, maybe there were some. Uh -huh. Our experiences with ethnic diversity Where in Florida, Tampa. Okay. That's weird. I mean, there's a huge one of the biggest actors. Uh -huh. I think he was on the on Thirty Rock. Can you please pull up Danny Puddy? No, oh. Indian dude. Danny was on. That's the only Indian guy on Thirty Rock, from what I remember. Uh, Parks and Rec. Aziz? No. <laughs> Can you pull up Malik? Patel, Malik Patel. I don't know him. I think that's his name. Ma Malik Pancholi. Pancholi. Maybe that's Malik Pancholi. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that him? So, oh, so Danny Pudi was on uh, Community. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Malik, Malik Pancholi. Yeah, yeah. So he grew up in Tampa. Uh huh. I hope. Dayton, no, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. I thought that was. I think. He, I think he went to our school. Uh huh. He's well. He's a year. He's two years younger than me. I remember still tracks. But so. Just ethnic diversity. Like I knew two, I, I knew like one Chinese guy. Uh -huh. I knew now. Also, I'm I'm turning fifty this year, so that's a little different. Congratulations, thank you. Uh, I knew one in one Chinese dude. Two was him and his sister, uh -huh. Sam Ho and Rhonda Ho. Uh -huh. Um, I knew one Indian family. They were played tennis with them. Okay, so low key, very attracted to his sister, and I uh -huh. didn't realize how hot Indian women were at the time. So I only met one right right so but and then as i got older i moved to new york and i was like oh fuck any women are hot as fuck yeah they're everywhere man and so then so we didn't have like a like i had sushi for the first time in like college oh shit okay yeah so it just yeah, in yeah. tampa as much as you want to say maybe it was our parents weren't as diverse they weren't looking uh -huh. to like expand different palettes so i, I go to the strip club i you're, see you're jewish a regular okay or not regular <laughs> <laughs> regular <Catholic>. jew <laughs> just catholic okay so uh so, i'm sorry so uh so i that's the first time Strip i ever smell indian food uh -huh. so i don't i've never even had indian food so your whole life i'm 30 years old i'm 29 years old i'm okay. dating my wife and uh -huh. she goes hey uh you i it's our, it's our second date and she's like my friend matt and emma have this great indian restaurant that they love to go to we should go so we go and uh, I walk in and I go, oh, it smells like Russian strippers in here. <laughs> what? I, to this day, I I love Indian food. And I get a, I get a, almost like offended when people have never had it because I go, how can you? Die? That's like one of the best. Did you just grow up with Indian food? My mom is uh, my mom, my aunts, my grandma, like all incredible in the kitchen. You know, like really? just whipping stuff up. And the crazy, I was telling Tom this. Is that my mom is vegetarian, but makes the best chicken, like ever. Like we were at a there's a restaurant called Sema in New York. It's a Michelin star. Yeah, had their chicken, and I was like, this is my mom's recipe. It is just like on par, like that good. So I grew up just loving Indian food. In New Jersey, was, right? Yeah, Parsippany, uh, like forty minutes out of New York, and so, uh, like recently, I, I made, became friends with a chef, uh, uh, uh Chintan Pandya, who's like famous now in new york for like sema damaka masala wall and stuff and because of that i've just been going to indian spots like just and like the thing with new york is that you think it's got crazy indian food but for the longest time all the indian food in new york is just bad it was, it was uh, yeah well the, it's made for white people 
Uh, it, yeah, it's it's mass produced. White people ordering. Oh, this is what Indian food is, and then you're like, this is like I'm it's tired like, of this watery shit. It's man. like British people. This sounds crazy, but I think British people put Indian food on the map. British, the best Indian food I've had outside of New York, outside of the market, is in England. I was just there. I was in London. And it's just it's annoying. It's annoying because <laughs> like British people are responsible for colonizing all of us. Yes, I mean. You don't realize, you know, I I used to, like, I'm one of those, like, slow to, I'm by far no means woke at all, at all. I'm not, I'm Same. just regular. I'm regular. You're regular, yes. Like, I'm woke enough that I got offended when you got in trouble uh-huh. for the fucking- Columbia for, shit. For, by being called racist, being called a racist and a bigot, is and, and which drove me nuts because I go, his whole life he's been targeted by racists. Right. It's the worst, that's like- it's like it's like looking at the girl that got her arm bit off by a shark and go, "You're a predator." Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> right. So, um, so but that's how where, where my wokeness lands is just on like because I'm a comic and I think that I think I'm I'm smart enough to know I'd want to meet, make sure people stay in the room. Yeah. So I like you know so I, I feel like I don't know. I understand but, what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't. I was late to the how colonialism worked oh okay yeah i mean the, the india got independence in 1947 yeah and so we were fighting india was fighting for a very long time non-violently and then i think gandhi broke them finally with the salt text march but their you know the joke about england is that their food is terrible and that even though they've colonized all these places with like banging ass spices but then i went to but you know obviously mad indians went to england yeah and you go there and you're just like I went to Gymkhana and I went to, um, what's the other spot? I forget the name of the other spot. But I went and I was like, this is annoyingly, uh, whatever these Brits did to these Indian people to make them make the best food is the best thing they've ever done. It's so fucking good. Have you been been to London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Indian food there? Yeah. It's, I mean, I can't wait to go back. Like, Che is one of these, Michael Che is one of these, one of my close friends, is one of these other people who was like, hated Indian food and just never had really a good version of it. And he texts me from London. He's like, "Bro, this shit is bomb." I'm like, "I told you." That's. I think. I think that's stereotypical, and I think that's the one of the stereotypes that'll leave. Mm-hmm. So every brother I know is not like doesn't have the most adventurous palate. Yeah, and I, and so like, our bus driver's a black dude, and we got bombed me one time, uh-huh. and he was like, "Nah, nah, <laughs> nah bro," I uh-huh. think, and like he was saying shit where you're like, "You're not allowed to say that," and he's yeah. like. I know what they put in that shit. And you're like, dude, it's one of the, they're the best. They're the best sandwiches. Agent, Agent Orange is in the sandwich, man. Yeah. <laughs> but that that tracks that he would be like not into Indian food. Uh-huh. But uh, but also Indian food in New York is not that good, which really? is surprising. But like outside of Jackson Heights, like I can't talk about it. I've never been to Jackson Heights to eat Indian food before. Uh, but in like Midtown Manhattan, there's probably like one or two good spots. In Lower East Side now, there's like one or two good spots. But outside of that, like shit, you get delivered always trash sweet so where did so where did where did indians like this I, I, I don't need to apologize to you but i apologize to listeners when i say the thing <laughs> that it sounds horrible but like where did indians land because like, like puerto ricans landed in new york so, Cubans oh, landed okay. in Tampa. i got you we mexicans are in south like you all through texas and so like and that's where you find that best food yeah where did indians land did they end up is there, is there a large population in like there's a huge diaspora in the States. You know, we ended up West Coast, Jersey, New York, Queens, and then in Texas, in Chicago. Like, those are the biggest. Oh, Chicago, yeah. yeah Chicago's a Chicago's man. fuck, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of people in Chicago. And Michigan, right? Michigan. That's the uh, huge Muslim population in, in, Mich- in oh, Michigan. Also, big Indian population yeah. there. But a lot of those places ended up popping off because 
big engineering jobs were there. You know, Michigan is like all auto workers. Chicago is like doctors and healthcare. West Coast is again uh uh STEM, more like science and engineering and the technical stuff that's going on. New Jersey is just like finance and doctors. But the way we ended up here, I don't want to give an education necessarily, but No, that by the way, that's the most <laughs> the my, my favorite thing ever is when because I, I, I'm just, I'm curious about stuff, uh-huh. but sometimes I'm, I'm so self-centered that yeah. I just think about me. I hear, I'm, I'm 100% on that same page. Like this is, I'm surprised I know this as well, but that was, I have like moments of curiosity. Yeah. There's this book I read called Life Behind the Lobby that kind of explained all of it. Like why did Indians end up running all these hotels and motels? Well, I didn't, hold on. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I just watched, uh. Uh, Menage's special. Yeah, I'm not gonna say even attempt to say his first name because I've been fucking Hussin. it up for. Yeah, Hassan. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll let you say it first and then I'll repeat yeah, it. Yeah. I watched his special and he was talking about his wife's a Patel, right? Mm-hmm. And she's a the Motel Patels. Yes. And I was like, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm oblivious to that stereotype, other than the fact that as he says that, I go, that's interesting. I stayed in a motel once in Sacramento, and two days in a row were the biggest Indian weddings I've ever seen in my entire life at that motel, and mm-hmm. I went. And it was run by any motherfucker. And then all of a sudden you see a stereotype that's right there that you go, how did I not catch that? It's the it's a sneaky thing. I think at some point, at, at some point I, I remember reading at one point, 45% of the hotels and motels in this country are run or operated by Indian people. There's a it's it's what happened was in the 60s and 70s, the United States needed uh uh people that come here needed people to migrate and, and live in like tiny podunk ass places because there was a uh, a financial revolution occurring like people were going into debt in these motels and hotels at the same time right after independence in india the government had spent all this money to educate people but they had no jobs available so you had all these very smart people in india ready looking for opportunity at the same time there's opportunity existing in america where all these motels where you could buy a cheap ass property and invite all your cousins and family to come work that property and live there at the same time, reduce rent expense. And then over generations, that just ended up expanding. Like there's Indians end up one motel. They, oh, another one's available. Let's buy that one down the street. Let's buy that one down the street. It's a very easy business to understand. It's like yeah. you need people to live here and you pay rent and you save on not having to have your own apartment because you live in behind the lobby literally behind the lobby that's why uh asian people own de- donut restaurants here was there's one donut the donut king uh-huh. i think that's the name of his place and he was a vietnamese guy and he just started buying up he was like i'll start doing donuts it's pretty easy and then he was like wait i can just i, I can just monopolize the business i'll make the dough i'll make the chi- i'll make the thing fuck it i'm gonna just start owning all the donut they he owns all the donuts places nice so you can get amazing fucking sandwiches at donut places oh really there's a donut place around the corner uh-huh. and they're they make they make a white person sandwich with a vietnamese flair uh-huh. that is so goddamn good that you're like oh, our best friends are vietnamese uh-huh. i have vietnamese and chinese uh and uh and you'll bring the i brought the they're very they're big food snobs uh-huh. and i brought those sandwiches over and they're like these are fucking amazing i was oh. like well let me take you where i got them <laughs> <laughs> you got knocked three times so that's so so there's always been the stereotype that indian people are all like doctors uh, engineers yeah. and so india had like a india had a had like a societal push to make sure everyone got a great education yeah so right after when uh uh right after the brits left the government spent all this money to try to get people educated in science and uh, technology and all that stuff, but there was no jobs. They yeah. didn't create the hospital infrastructure or anything like that. So you have all these smart people looking to 
put themselves to work. At the same time, in, let's say, Kansas, there's a hospital that doesn't have a doctor that's willing to live in Kansas and do nothing. Meanwhile, there's an Indian guy who's like, oh, I'll move to Kansas. Sure, I'll move to America. I'll move to live in Kansas. If you talk Shut to, if you go, up. if you go to the state, if you go to the Midwest and there's an Indian doctor there, that guy's been there for a long time, or he's making like two times what he'd make in a major city because he's living in Podunk gas fucking Kansas. Yeah. Being if, the you go to, if you go to med school in the States, you go to University of Miami or whatever med school, you're going to be like, Yo, man, I'm I'm going to New York. Yeah. I'm going to fucking Chicago. Exactly. Someone's like, well, they need him in Topeka. And he's like, oh, fuck that. I'm going to do, do tornado triage nope. all fucking the rest Watch of my life. Watch old racist white people dying and they're going to call me stupid. I'm going to see a white doctor. Like, well, they, they don't want to work here. So That's so crazy. <laughs> that yeah. is so insane. I, there's so much I don't know about. Like, I, I really don't know. I remember calling... Uh, uh, Fucking my brain's fried these days. Yoked, fucking yoked Indian uh, Pakistani guy. Oh, Kumail. Kumail. I called Kumail Indian uh, one time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fucking he lit me up on stage. Uh, oh really? Was, oh yeah, yeah. But we we're I mean we're friends. But it was and he did it in fun. Uh -huh. But like I, I still to this day, I, I kind of uh, my entry point was Russell Peters. That was like my first like legit I love Russ, yeah. Indian friend where I could where I, you could ask anything. Yeah, yeah. And and you just were like, hey man, I, I have a lot of fucking questions. Please. Uh, and uh. <laughs> But uh, but I still don't. I like I the I get lost in the Indian Pakistan Af Afghan. Like uh -huh. I, I I could I would never. I just really kind of shut my mouth and just don't say anything these yeah, days. I, I mean I like, couldn't I couldn't talk about Afghanistan or Pakistan that much. Yeah. I can I can very little talk about the Indian stuff that I know about. Yeah. And that's only because I researched it for like I was like maybe I want to write a show about Indians working in a motel. So yeah. I researched. And I was like, how the fuck do we end up here? And and then I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. There was an opportunity, and Indians saw it, and uh, at the same time, it lined up with some shit going on in the motherland. Like, How did Seven Eleven get the stereotype? That I mean, that I think it's a very I don't know, but my my brain says it's probably a very similar story to the hotels. It was like there's an opportunity to run one Seven Eleven, and it be it's very obvious that this it's a very simple, clean cut business model. But and I don't know the nitty gritty of it, but obviously it's like yeah. it's a convenience store. And you just tell your cousins to come work. I work there, and that, yeah. I mean that. I know my dad's liquor store was like that. You know, your like, dad. Your dad came when he was uh, a kid, right? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Can, 19, you, ever, yeah. Do, can you ever wrap your head around that? I mean, I don't. I don't mean to yeah. distract like this, but no. you're a very American dude. Yes. Like I, you, me, and you are the. I, I'm not. I'm not saying the same, but like, primarily, we probably listen to the same music. Yes. Like the same brands. We're you know like where there's an age gap, but but ultimately. I don't identify Irish, although I, I have Irish parts of my blood. Mm -hmm. I have German parts of my blood where, like, there's certain drawings to that. But, like, for the most part, I'm pretty homogenous. Yeah, I'm, I'm very American. Yeah. Uh, but my dad was 17. And it, Can you it's, imagine it's being kind of, 17? It's, I still, like, I remember me at 17 being like, I got to go to senior year of high school. <laughs> you know, like, what the <laughs> fuck am I going to do with AP classes? My dad's out here at 17 in Newark. You know, without a college degree, went to work at his, the store his brother was working at. And, you know, they, they got him a job there. And then he just worked his way up into saving and then buying his first liquor store. He only has two, but uh, buying his first liquor store. And it was just like that same kind of model just replicated in a smaller way. Where it's like, you tell someone to come here. You help sponsor them to come work here. They save up. They chase their own American dream and then you know, get a house in New Jersey and their kid becomes a comedian, you know, like that. It's, that's it's, how it went. It's funny because I think, uh, well, how, did your dad drink? 
Yes. What, uh, Johnny Walker Blue? Black. Black. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a black label drinker. I mean, in his heyday, he was drinking a lot of black label. Uh, now it's more like a beer here or two in there. Oh, but yeah. he's like in his 60s. He's, okay. getting, he's getting up there. So it's like he's got to cut down on all that stuff. You're the only child? No, I have a sister. Okay. Uh, younger sister. She's an attorney. She's successful. Really? Yeah, she's did. She's doing well. So wait, what was the what was the pivot for you in NYU to go like I'm not gonna? Well, and, and how hard is that? Well, I mean, you know, I went in thinking I wanted to be a doctor, and you know, in my high school years, I definitely did. Like I was like set on it. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was gonna be a doctor. Like I was gonna save lives, and I had like aspirations, like building hospitals in Kenya and shit, you know. And then I went to NYU. Uh, my se- freshman year did great. Sophomore year did not so what well. Year, what year? I graduated oh eight, so I I started in oh four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh eight was a bad year. I had a kid. I had a kid in oh four. Oh eight's a rough year to come out of college. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and it's so, a great year to get a show on Travel Channel. <laughs> oh yeah, is that what happened? Oh, uh, that's my. I mean, I, I'm a very lucky guy. Uh-huh. But I got all my money. The, I mean, the, my first chunk of money I ever got uh-huh. in oh eight. Wow. So we got to buy our first house and went at the bottom of the market. What a fucking hero move. I, I got really, really lucky. And, and you know, it's, I, you look at, I, I, I've been thinking about this interview a long time because, Thank uh, you. because I, I, I was, when all that shit happened with you, you texted me and I, I appreciate that. I remember four years ago, you were first person that one of the first people to text me. Uh, unfortunately I'd already lined up Rogan yeah. and, and, uh, uh, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it once, and I'll talk about it. I talked about it on Rogan, but I very much, I didn't forget that. I appreciate you oh, texting no, we, me about we, that. We were, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain. I don't know where we heard. I don't know where I heard about it, but I'm almost certain it was from Joe. Yeah, yeah. Because Joe, we're in a chat thread with Joe, mm-hmm. and and that's so right up his alley. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's just freedom of speech and 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 woke, and like all the shit coming down into one. Mm-hmm. And so like we all reached out, and we were like, I reached out, but we were all texting about it. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thank um, you. But, uh, but I've been thinking about this, and I was thinking about how luck, like, I looked at, I was thinking about your dad. My dad, ha- my dad had a rough life, but he's very lucky. Yes. Even, and, and then today I was, I was literally just pulling out of Burger King with Isla's food, and I saw this dude walk out of Burger King, very overweight. And he sat down to get a bus, and I just thought, oh wow i'm i don't want i wouldn't want his life no like to to imagine to get i mean having to catch a bus in la just to go get lunch and then take a bus to go home and he was an attractive guy and i just thought (laughs) and i just thought even when i thought i wasn't lucky i was still very fucking lucky and there's times where you as a comic you're just struggling and you're not getting spots you're not and you're watching your friends succeed yeah and you're like and you're like god man i remember and i was thinking literally watching dane blow up and going how do you i don't couldn't even figure out the arithmetic to make that happen who's your class i, I don't know like my I, class is a little fucked up uh-huh. it's really my class is dimitri martin okay that's the only guy i can identify with that is in my class a hundred percent steve byrne mm-hmm. is my class uh gary goldman's older than me but he's <clears throat> still kind of my class uh-huh Dane's older than me bill's old, older than me bobby's older than me uh-huh. um patrice is older than me okay but Patrice was like, I would say just a year old, meaning in like, if we're talking classes, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was a sophomore when I was a freshman Okay, because he, I had access to him. That was like, that I, I know you're a fan of Patrice's. Of course, yeah. I had fucking access to Patrice that today people would pay $2 million for, uh-huh. for a day like that to pick his brain about comedy and to pick his brain about the business. Um, 
But those guys were all above me. Bill, I didn't realize how much older Bill was until I got older. Mm -hmm. Like Bill was like seven, I think Bill's seven or nine years older than me. Mm -hmm. Rogan, I didn't realize like that Rogan was 56. Like now they're six years older than me. Mm -hmm. All these guys I thought were a couple years older than me. They're, Ari's probably my class, but he was out in LA and I was in New York. Uh -huh. But Dimitri Martin and I started on the same night. That's the only person I remember being in my class. Okay, okay. So, um, so we talk about Dane blowing up now. Okay, Dane was old, Dane's a class older than me. He, they all started, but they all started when they were like 17, 18. I started when I was 26. Oh, okay. So, uh, and Dane's my age, but he had just been doing it for like eight years. Eight years at that and, point, yeah. Yeah, Jay Moore is older than me. Jay Moore was a movie star when I was, uh, when I started. Uh -huh. You started in New York? Started New York, Boston Comedy Club. Oh, shit, okay. Back when Boston still existed in that yeah. corner. Okay. So like secret time, this is a little interesting. I don't have a, the picture up. I don't know where I put it. So uh, I started working at the Boston back when they didn't have barking. Mm -hmm. Like it was this guy, Louis Schaefer, and I paid him. I, he, he paid me 20 bucks to go up and stand in front of the club and bring people in 20 bucks a night. And, and if I brought in enough people, I could get a, go up after God, before Godfrey. Oh, okay. And so, uh, so that's how I started. And then all of a sudden I, I got a deal for, with Will Smith, uh -huh. moved to LA uh -huh. for like seven months, came back. And there's five kids barking in front of the Boston Comedy oh, Club. Oh shit! And then, and then all of a sudden, and then I couldn't even get my job back. I was like, and but I, I started doing television right after that. Uh -huh. But uh, but that that whole barking scene was like, was that happened right after I left? What but, year was this? Uh, I was 26. Okay, so 1998, Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 98-99. Um. But my class, like, I remember Pete Corielli was older than me. Ben Bailey was older than me. Uh, but those were the guys that, like, I mean, no one, I've, I've never seen anyone murder harder than D.C. Benny. Mm -hmm. D.C. Benny would uh, fucking destroy at the Boston Comedy Club. This guy, Maceo, was fucking f on fire. Chappelle's my age. And I remember watching Chappelle for the first time and being like, this guy's good. Uh -huh. And I, I, I'm 26 years old. I'm fresh out, 25 years old. I'm fresh out of college. I pulled him aside. I said, buddy, I'm a comic. Like, by the way, I'd done stand up once. Uh huh. Uh, I just want to let you know, man, you should stick with this. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> he had already done. He, he, and by the way, he was the coolest guy about it. He didn't, yeah. say, he didn't like go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. He was like, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, he'd already done Robin Hood Men's Tights, was about to shoot half baked. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah. And, and so, but even when you're not lucky, you're still very fucking lucky. I, count my stars every day uh you know with my dad you know, with my dad and my parents you know it's like one wrong thing my dad could have said could have like ended his life you know at the store that he was at because he was in a bad neighborhood yeah so like yeah, 15 years ago i talk about it very loosely on stage but it's like 15 years ago like a guy came in pulled him over the counter put a gun to his head and it's like that was the one that i mean he'd been like you know, like people had robbed him a bunch of times at the store and stuff, take stealing shit, you have to chase people, all that kind of shit. But like, and you've been shot at, but like to have a gun to your head is like a very kind of breaking kind of thing. And I think that's when it was like, then he was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta change something. We left that store, you left that store. But that's just a matter of, what that dude sneezed with his fucking finger on his Guns finger. go off all the time. Yeah. And they so, do. And so like luck is every day, like the tour I'm on right now, it's called Lucky Lefty for a reason. It's, you know, I, I had a lot happen in the last six months that I was just incredibly lucky to have, it's have not, happened. It's not entirely luck. Uh -huh. Just, just so, like you're talking about, like the 
I mean, you go, you, you're huge on fucking TikTok. I'm blown up. On, I've done well in the last year and a half. Then that, that's, you know, there's that Jay Z line. If you play with skills, good luck will happen. And it's like I played with skills for a very long time, and uh, at least I think I have. And then you know, 21 April 21 comes around, like my TikTok starts blowing up. I can start touring, and we kind of apply some uh, uh, guesswork into how I can drive tickets and all that kind of stuff. But you know, after I taped my special in December of last year. I was like kind of figuring out what the fuck am I going to talk about? You know how it is. You yeah. put something on tape. But I had, you know, December 2021, I put this on tape. I still have three months of shows to do before I can, before I have a stop for the wedding that, that I'm going to get married and I'm going to chill out for two months. I still got three months, you know, 40 dates. Yeah. 40 shows. January, I'm dicking around. February, uh, and this is the entire tour I'm talking about, so I won't get too much into it, but. My balls hurt one night. I go to the hospital. Three days later, doctor tells me I got cancer. I got to get this shit removed. And now, and then after the surgery's done, I'm like, thank you, God, for that fucking hour you just gave me, bro. <laughs> like, I had nothing. And here I am, like, oh, shit, we got a fucking new hour. We got a brand new hour. Woohoo! I was, you know, you just, you know, you know, you're at this point now where you're identifying when something crazy is happening to you. Oh, I've taken vacations where my wife goes, so uh, you'll get a bit out of this, right? Like, yep. I'm like, yep. And I'm like, hey, who wants to go swimming with dolphins? And they're like, we do. I go, great. And then I'm just sitting there with a pen and paper yep. going like, I'm writing jokes. I, and I don't even enjoy it. I go, just swimming with dolphins is a lot like going to a strip club. Uh -huh. Everyone's excited. Manager comes out and he's like, ladies, we got customers. Everyone's like, can we touch him? He's like, yeah, but don't put your fingers in their holes. <laughs> I'm literally, and then I, I'm not even present in the moment because yeah. I'm so busy fucking writing. Yeah. I mean, that that is like, but it the whole five days it was I think it was six days that whole experience i was i was only, how long it was from bro it went from my balls hurt on a thursday night to i had surgery tuesday holy <laughs> shit that it was that i talk a lot of shit about american healthcare, and i will continue <laughs> to do so yeah but when you have insurance and a little bit of connections, yo, it's the greatest. Fuck. I'll get airlifted out of here if I needed to right now. You know God, what I mean? Like, I'm already, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not even going to ask you about it because as I'm talking to you, I'm writing bits yeah. in my head. But like, that's fucking five that's, days. Did you, you just, your balls hurt? You didn't feel it? No, it was just a, a pain. And I was like, and I was enough of a, you know, either a pansy or a smart person to, to listen to my body in that situation. Dude. And, and again, that's just luck of just being lucky enough to be that intuitive and lucky enough for it to happen. Because you say that you feel it, it doesn't present with pain. That's what the doctor says. You just got lucky. You got a pain and you're not supposed to have pain. It's yeah. just a lump. Yeah. And my I caught it so early that it was in between, like on like on one side. So I wouldn't have felt it anyway. Um, and I was like, the, I'm the luckiest person in the world. A, I caught it. And B, I got like and something to talk about for the next year or Dude. so. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life doesn't come with a user's manual. You can get stuck in a problem and not see a way out of it. And I'm telling you this from experience, and I, I swear to you, for me, therapy can help you figure those problems out, and it's so silly. Sometimes it's you just talking to yourself, and you literally say it before the therapist says, you go, oh, all I got to do is that. I I'm telling you, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of a complex engine called you. And that is what is great about therapy. I'm telling you right now, first time it ever happened to me, for me was 
a somewhat epiphanous moment. It's why I've been in therapy. More importantly, it's why my wife keeps me in therapy. <laughs> I do online therapy. Uh, for me, I do not like that I'd have a scheduled appointment and I have to drive in traffic and then go sit in a waiting room and then wait for the person to get done. And then all of that adds to the anxiety, adds to the stress of therapy. Online therapy, I've found is just a lot more convenient. I don't even use video therapy. I just do it on the phone sometimes. Get on the treadmill, kill two birds with one stone. And that's why I love BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simpler. And that is the truth. Uh, no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless search for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Bert. That's better com slash Bert. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our dear friends at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like the dessert with the help of Manscaped performance packages. They, I got to be honest with you. I love Manscaped because they really deliver great copy when they come to you. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, I love Manscaped because that's all I take to my nuts. That is the only thing I will take to my nuts. They have the best uh, grooming products, top to bottom, that you'll ever find anywhere. They're the leaders in below-the-waist below the grooming and have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkin and save 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash Burt. This is a company that fucking gets it. I'll tell you right now. I guess if you if you make ball trimmers, you pretty you have to have a sense of humor. I'll tell you right now, this is what I love. The inside their Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It is the perfect package for your package. You will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is fantastic. Skin safe technology. It's got an LED light. So if you trim your balls all over the toilet, you can still see what you're doing. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to becoming the family favorite. Save 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash Bert. That's right. 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash Bert. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped your balls will thank you the my dad my li literally last week I, I it's funny I, I didn't i didn't post about it <clears throat> i didn't talk about it on social media or anything mm -hmm. and i was going to i was i wrote a post about it because it was my dad was laying in bed and was just felt tightness in his chest and he was like i was like that's crazy it must be indigestion guess what the next morning goes to get on the treadmill tightness again and he's like he was like and he's but he goes to a cardiologist all the time, does the stress. He's done everything. Mm -hmm. Goes out to clean the dock and still a little tightness in his chest. And he's like, maybe I'll just go talk to the cardiologist. Cardiologist is like, brings him in, puts him on a treadmill, does a nuclear stress test, pulls him off. He's like, half of your heart is not working. You're going into surgery now. And so like two days later, goes in, they put three stints in his widow maker uh -huh. and it was a hundred percent blocked. That's crazy. And but you but my dad the two days before is like freaking out, worried. What if they give me a heart and heart surgery? I go, this is the best news ever. Yes. We just saved your life. Like this is the greatest news you can ever get. 
yeah, the next two days are going to suck because they got you got to go do a procedure. Yeah. But you're going to get to go to my birthday. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, but like, just for the record, if you hadn't gone, you'd be dead and I, you wouldn't be at my 50th birthday. <laughs> and, and, and then, and like, so, but it's super important to listen to your body. Then there's people like me who's like, I... I've had testicular cancer three or four times. Really? Well, in my head. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Every, usually before a big trip. And I'm uh, like, oh, I got testicular cancer. Uh -huh. I have throat cancer. I have everything. I've had everything in my head. Uh -huh. So I'm the person that probably shouldn't go to the doctor. But oh, you you are a hypochondriac that doesn't do anything about it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what you are? Yeah, it's fine, but I definitely am dying. Yeah. I hit up Andrew Huberman and I'm like, yo, liver pills, what do I take? <laughs> My, my my one of my close friends just on Sunday he was telling me you know his dad 67 you know, my age my friend and had the same a very similar thing happen like he was at the doctor 67 doing the stress test doctor's like something's wrong pull him off like you need open heart surgery right now and two days later quadruple bypass Holy <laughs> yeah fuck. it's like how lucky are we like that we can a access all that stuff but also that you know, things are, the stars are aligning for a lot of people, at least from my life, where I'm, like, recognizing stuff. Like, yo, this has to happen. This all happened because I'm just the luckiest person there is. The thing you do now is this is what I wish I had done at 31. You're 31? 36. 36. Yeah. I don't know why I thought 31. The, uh, is get in front of your health and go to the doctor every, every year now. Yeah. Because then now you just won't, then you won't just won't die. Yeah, establish those yeah. patterns, man. Because I, I, I just was like, I don't want to fucking do that. And then didn't go to the doctor until I was. I think I was like 40. I, I would go every now and then, but I was like, I don't need to go. I don't need to go. Yeah. I feel fine this year. I'm good. And then at 40, I started getting a card. I started going to my cardiologist. And so I've gone and I've, and I, there's a couple comics. I won't say their name that I definitely, they're the reason they're alive uh -huh. is because of me, because I was so neurotic about cardiologists. If we were talking in the green room at the store, I'd be like, you don't have a cardiologist. Boom. Set up a fucking appointment. Yeah. And I'd be like, what? I go, I just texted the i just got i left a message left your phone number they're gonna call you do not back out of it get a fucking stress test there's i can tell you two comics right now that owe me they owe me their fucking lives <laughs> because they would have had strokes they've been they're on medication now they would have just right fucking died yeah no i mean we're in such a business where we don't pay attention to our bodies because we we're, we're live we're living like we're gonna live forever we're out drinking, partying. Wait, do you, you party? Know, do you drink? Not. I mean, no. I, I drink for sure, but I'm not. I'm not you no. in that sense. Like <laughs> the machine. I'm sober this month. Machine. I am not. You know. I, I've had my fair share of shots and fun and blacking yeah. out and doing Molly and shrooms and all that kind <laughs> okay. of stuff. I've done all that. Yeah. Uh, and I still do it like once a quarter if I can. Yeah. Uh. Uh. But I've I've definitely tapered down. And on the road, you know, I've been since April of 21. I've done like you know close to 300 shows. You know, and if I'm out, if I'm out every night of those the drinking after those shows i would be dead you know no, like I, no you'd be shocked your body bounces back <laughs> yeah, you just gotta set up some rules you, you, you think I, I you think i look old now you know what i mean like you know? I, I i'm trying to i'm trying to live like that, that fucking big pun song you know i'm trying to live but um i wish i'd had that i wish i had that i don't have it but we, how long you been married uh how long you been with your wife i was 22 years i think 20 okay 20 years I've, I've been married been married like 18 years coming up 19 years this year okay so i'm only asking good is like if you were on the road and you were single if i were on the road and i was a single man and i was looking for shit to get trouble to get into i'm sure i'd be out doing all this kind of stuff but i've yeah i've just been like these last two years i've only been has been my only real time on the road and i'm like 
married. I'm like, I got shit to do. And I know that I, if I were to drink, I would drink a lot. I don't drink to not get drunk. Like, yeah, who the fuck does yeah. that? I'm not having two. I never <laughs> understood that. Someone's yeah. like, do you want a non-alcoholic beer? I go, no fucking way. Why? What am I? Like, Give me a root beer. I'll take the calories. Yeah, I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah, if, I'm if, you're gonna, if I'm going to drink, I'm drinking to get a buzz. Yes, I'm And, and by the something. way, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to have two drinks to get a little bit of a buzz. I want to have a nice hearty buzz. Yeah. And I want my brain to say, we should keep this going. I want, <laughs> at least once. Yeah, yeah. And I want to smoke a cigar. I'm going to want a joint. Like, I like to fucking party. I, I like, I don't understand. Like, Segura will have one glass of wine at dinner. Yeah. And then be like, I'm going to drive home. And I go, first of all, you already had one glass. You just fucking call an Uber and get four. Right. Let's kill the fucking bottle. <laughs> I never understood that. Yeah. But I, I partied. So I was married with kids on the road mm -hmm. and partying my dick off every night. Oh, but, shit. Okay. But I don't have, uh, I, I look, I'm a regular person. I go to strip clubs and have a party like everyone else. Right. But I don't have, I don't know what it is, but I don't have the imp I don't I'm never I've never been Im impulsively attracted to women in like a way where I couldn't control myself. Right. Yeah, like that's I'm, not that's not the issue for me. The, yeah. the for me it's more like I know what this shit is going to do to my body. Yeah. And I know how I feel afterwards and when I'm on the road, I always feel like I'm working towards something. I can rationalize it. Yeah. On a Sunday night, uh -huh. I used to go back from the clubs and go, uh, can I get a six-pack to take to my room? And I would go I'm just going to have one beer of two beers. And then I kill six and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to make a run to the gas station. Oh shit. Okay. I'm packing. Yeah. I'm going to stay up all night. I'll, I'll sleep on the plane. And then I'm at the airport. I'm like, all right, double Tito's and soda, big glass, no lime on the plane. <laughs> Can I get a cocktail before takeoff? Uh, Jack on the rocks, lots of rocks. Can I have the bottles, please? I'm going to make, I, I just don't want to dilute it. I'm, I'm like That's I, 24 hours of drinking. I, I, I look back at it and I'm today, especially I am shocked. I've been able this morning I got on, I was working out with my trainer and I said, I'm not, no one should be impressed that I can quit drinking. Mm -hmm. I can do whatever the fuck Rogan and Tom do with like not drinking. That's very simple. Yeah. You just choose not to drink. It's the simplest thing in the world. I don't think there's any world, any parallel universe where they could ever live the life I've lived uh -huh. and maintain. Yeah. Like to be able to go at the pace I go at and still party like i like tom yeah, it's very tom, impressive tom complains that he's like oh you have no idea how busy i am oh buddy i do all the same tour dates you do we're both working our ass off but i also fly to austin for two days to do our two bears so like i, I actually i definitely know how busy you are because i'm even busier like yeah. i'm 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 not going home for two for three days i'm coming here to do podcasts with you and i did it the other day we're getting on a fucking flight to go into austin and i was like i was like i'd be drunk right now and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, how the fuck have I been doing this? I was saying that. And I was like, I don't know how I've gotten this. I don't know where. That's I've, your body telling you to slow down, maybe. I'm, Dude, I'm exhausted. Right now, because I've, I haven't been drinking now for like 20 days or whatever, 19 uh -huh. days. I'm, my body is actually exhausted where I'm like, well, they, they were saying like my something might be off of my mitochondria that I, I push it so hard and I just ignore whatever. Because I, I'm very punitive and I go. I go, well, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fucking slow down. You wanted to party last night? You go. We, we're up. We're after it. Let's get, let's get a workout in. Uh -huh. And so I think I've been pushing it so hard that my body finally is like, where it's like, thank you. Let's fucking slow down. I met you a nap before you came here <laughs> and I passed out hard as fuck. Good. So, yeah. I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah. I, but I, I want, I try, I, I saw you were doing sober October. I think I forget someone said it. You were doing it. I was like, 
maybe I'll try that. And then it was like two days, like, I'm going to have alcohol, man. I can't. Yeah. It was out. stupid. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for people that can't drink. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I feel bad for them. But like, because they get out of control. I've never gotten out of control. As a matter of fact, I would say I'm more fun. I'm definitely more fun when I'm drinking. Uh-huh. Um, I had a, I hit a wall. I, I, I'm fun. And then the word starts slurring. And then I have a few more. And then there's a deep anger. It's like a fucking body. You know, you know, you ever seen the, the grit your teeth drunk? Yeah. And then it's like, I got to uh, either I got to pass out in this Uber or I will be yelling at this Indian man <laughs> for making turns he's supposed to make. Like that's happened to, that's like my main contention point with my wife. It's just like, she's like, you've drank and had so many drunken arguments with Uber drivers who weren't really doing anything. <laughs> Cause I'm Wait, just, is your wife Indian? No. Oh, nice. she's Jewish. Oh, really? Uh, she's a white Jewish lady from Connecticut. Oh, uh, nice. uh, we've been together for nine years, but she is a very like, she's the type to have like a glass or two of wine and be like, I'm cool. That's my wife. Yeah. And no, I just like, like just be calm and collected and like, doesn't like uh raised voice, a party and all that kind of stuff. She's just like very like, almost like the perfect foil of like even keeled and so when i'm like lit up it's just fucking fucking uber drivers <laughs> take, take my money two dollars you know like it's yeah. just like bubbling that's when it's time to go home but up until that point i'm chilling i'm having a great time do you identify do you identify with um like when you see like a indian uber driver uh-huh. and 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 you know that he's like he's like from india yeah struggling do you is there a weird because i've never had this experience uh-huh. other than meeting other lawyers and be like oh it's kind of like my dad uh, like do you see that and go oh that was my dad's struggle i have empathy a hundred percent really like i've never i've never given anything less than a five star uh if like i'll try i'll talk to him for a little bit sometimes if they're very talkative i can tell they're from india because they're indian people from india will also talk to you oh yeah uh, and so that, but then i i'm like that could have been my dad like there's like a, a a weird empathy. It's not weird. It's like very rational empathy of so, like, yeah, this this is just my dad twenty years ago. He's trying to make That's it for his so kids. Crazy. He's got a Camry. He's working. You know, I could tell he's a little sleepy. You know, he's been working for so long, and so there's definitely that. I'm like, man, keep going. Like I want to do what you did, Dave. Like I mean, you're really a good driver. You know, like yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Keep at this shit. You know, that it's kind crazy of thing. because that uh, the one thing I heard Chris Rock. I know you know you worked with Chris Rock, but the one thing yeah. I heard Chris Rock say that was like. There's a couple things where it's like, I think only comics do it personally. Uh-huh. Um, I take take that back. I heard David Chang say something one time, but where you can connect with a dude like me and get me to see your experience through your eyes mm-hmm. is so valuable because that's how you that's how you kind of change the world is letting people see it through your eyes. And sometimes it's really hard. I mean, no one, no one gives a fuck about seeing it through my eyes. Sympathy is a very hard emotion to communicate and, and evoke in somebody. Yeah. And for someone, as a comic, it's, it's a, like a subconscious or conscious goal where it's like, that's where the laugh comes from. Yeah. That's, that's the source of the laugh. You see it. Oh, I get it now. That's yeah. what it's like to be an Indian driver. Have an Indian guy in the backseat who's not talking to you the whole time. Like, <laughs> who's just mad and drunk at you. <laughs> like, I came from America. For, you know, I came to America for this. Be yelled at by my own so people. So this will be my kid. Yeah, exactly. You know, like. This is what I'm making. Yeah, exactly. Bill Cosby said that. He goes, he goes, I have a hard time liking my kid. But uh-huh. It's weird now that you say Bill Cosby. Uh-huh. But, he, but he was, he said, I have a weird, I have a hard time with my kids because I never liked rich kids growing up. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, yeah. It's exactly and Chris it. Rock said, he said, you know. There wasn't racism. I'm, I don't know, look, I'm paraphrasing. I apologize to Chris Rock, but 
He said there wasn't, it wasn't like racism on SNL, but what it was was there was a shorthand that Adam Sandler had with Lauren Michael because his dad looked like him. Yeah. Where he goes, my dad, I, the only time I ever saw dudes like that, they were cops or whatever, or, or teachers. Like, I never really, I didn't have like, like if your dad looks like the guy you work for, you feel a little more there's comfortable. There's familiarity with it. And, you know, there's also at, at places where, uh, that are corporate environments where there is that, that boys club within the boys club that yeah. it's like oh yeah we all went to harvard or we all went to this place we all came from the same background that you don't have as a as a person like myself oh you, you still know? have it in stand-up like i don't identify like i don't there's comedy scenes where i i'm a very big outsider like like uh snl like that that writers the the type of guys that all wrote for the lampoon and uh -huh. then came down and worked on Conan and then worked over at SNL and yeah. and like even like the guys who write for roasts and write for like I don't I, I don't not not that I don't identify with those guys but I don't I don't feel comfortable mm -hmm. in those circles like even like Mulaney is in a Mulaney and Nick Kroll are in a very different comedy world than I'm in which is crazy cuz you're all doing the same work yeah it, but it's but it's it's just it's like uh like if I sit down with Nick it's the same as you, you like we're almost the same person uh -huh. in the way we see the world and the way we communicate and what we like and and we there's we could gossip for fucking hours yeah i mean for hours it there's a it's a thing it's a reason that you never see any comic you know this when you do rogan you're like this with rogan in, in a matter of seconds you're like oh he's just one of us there's a there's a for quoting chris today there's a i think uh when he did uh comedians and cars with uh with jerry He's talking to Jerry. Uh, Jerry's talking to him about like how they were the only two people at a party. Yeah. And Chris went up to him and grabbed his shoulders, like comedian, <laughs> like like they're the only like there's an instant camaraderie. Like if I saw you in a room, like okay, I got you. Now we don't we're gonna make fun of this whole thing together because yeah. I don't know anybody else here. Stanhope told fans on Lime one time he was like, "Oh, don't get it wrong. We can shit on Dane all day long, but if I was at a bar." at an airport bar and dane was there and you were there i would never speak to you in a million years i'd go right to dane <laughs> right because there's just a, a shorthand that we have i don't know what i was talking about with this but like like nick kroll i could sit and talk with nick forever mm -hmm. um but I, I i i definitely don't feel like the the thing i do is similar to like right like the writers at snl or like i don't like i don't you think that's an insecurity I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they'd say the same thing about them if they came to one of my shows and I was like, "Hey, you want to go up?" They'd be like, "No." Like no. I've had I've had uh, alt dudes come out. Like, not I'm not saying SNL's alt, but like no. I've had alt dudes come out with me, and I've been like, "Yeah, come up, just to a spot." Uh -huh. And you know, they're like ten thousand people, and they're like, "Nah." <laughs> like I don't think the thing I do at Largo is the thing that works here. That's a yeah, that's a tremendous but, insecurity. But it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Insecurity, and and it's a self defeating insecurity that I know that I have because mm -hmm. like I remember. I remember doing, being like comfortable at a club or comfortable with my thing, and then going out of it and being and just sabotaging it, mm -hmm. sabotage and being like a completely different. You're not comic. gonna like me. Yeah, they're gonna hate me. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go up. I'm gonna just fucking tell my jokes. I'm just gonna run through my material. You know what I'm gonna do? Fuck. I'm gonna fuck with them. And like you're going like, why not just go up and tell your material? It's a big thing that happens in Europe to comics. Uh huh. Like comics go over to London, when they immediately start shitting on America. For no reason at all and you're like what the fuck dude i had a great time in london i fucking loved <laughs> i love i loved it where did you i mean she did like an arena or something no no uh oh yeah i've done I, my my it's funny i don't consider my touring uh -huh. london i i mean i've done london uh -huh. but uh and i've done all over the uk and i've done europe but my experience with london 
obviously like when you said that it was at the comedy store at london yeah yeah and i had the most fucked up experience fucked up you could ever imagine let's hear it what happened it, it was uh so we i was shooting a and when was this was, um 2000 2009 maybe 2000 travel channel shit no i was doing something for showtime okay so it was before my showtime special we were shooting in amsterdam and it was around the time where i was really kind of like finding my finding out who the fuck i was on stage mm -hmm. i got very comfortable with the fact that i didn't i wasn't trying to be someone i wasn't and that i knew what i wrote was good and that i was comfortable standing by what i wrote and then that's that's like the biggest turn a comic can make is when you're not replicating someone else you're doing your own thing yeah and uh we we shot something in amsterdam we were coming we were flying out of london and i said let's we had a documentary film crew with me at the time i said let's go to this comedy store i'll do a spot so we called ahead got a spot and when we got there they were like it was like never heard of you bruv <laughs> sorry be it and i was like i'm bad i'm bad at accents but i kind of killed that one yeah yeah it was pretty and good so and so i was like, like an annoying drunk yeah, guy yeah no, it was dude. a bouncer but one of the bouncers uh -huh. and i was like i think my name's on list no list we know the comics here you're not one of them go and you're like i I'm, I'm certain i'm just trust me if you ask around maybe uh -huh. lady behind the desk no nope, no nope. <laughs> are you and like real cunty not are you but, an angry guy yeah no not at all okay i'm i'm actually i uh, will talk about this in a second uh -huh. um i'm i'm i do not like confrontation at all okay she literally pointed to the names on the list are you them <laughs> and i went no and she goes then you're not on the list oh, and i went fuck. oh i i that does make sense <laughs> They were they were just doing their job. I'm sure they get Americans coming over saying their comics all the time. Right. And so then finally the DJ comes out and he's like, Oh yeah, he's on the list. He's good. And then everyone's like, sorry, didn't know you were on the list. And then I was like, okay, so I'm already starting off with my bad foot. I was supposed to do 15 minutes. They cut it down to five. And I was like, okay. In my head, I'm like, I'm not really good at five minutes. I'm I, I that's not my strong suit. Right. Uh I go backstage and the comics the only one i remember was boy with tape on his face you ever seen that guy he's you, he's america's got talent guy yeah though, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. He? But he, he was there he was a stand-up comic yeah 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 oh was, shit i don't know the way murdered uh -huh. oh okay didn't talk to him he doesn't speak uh -huh. and so i'm not i don't know if he's mute but he does i don't think he speaks for I, I never spoke to him okay the comics that were on the lineup that night were fucking cunts oh and they were like uh and i walked back to the green room they were not cool they had a guest set on the show they'd never heard of me they were like uh coming here with his american swag yep piece of shit guys like all right mate here's the rules mind the light mind the light would you uh and uh keep it clean tight it says do five you do fucking four you understand me and I'm oh like, shit and i'm like this is the host and i'm like by the way he's to this day is nobody never has been anybody it's definitely host energy uh, you know like yeah, yeah. like the guy that feels really comfortable at his home club yeah but he's never going anywhere that's why he's angry yeah and he would they were all cunts they were all cunts except for boy with tape in his face he was a really sweet guy he made it didn't out. say a word didn't say a word just uh -huh. tape on his face and his hands that, I think. that's why he was a, not a cunt and uh and then the guy comes in he's like you can do seven and they were like oh he's it's gonna fuck up my show it's gonna fuck up put him in in between the fucking thing so then they they put me after boy with tape on his face that guy murdered uh -huh. so fucking like and he didn't say a word and it killed 
so fucking hard. And so I'm you like, didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know. I saw a dude with tape <laughs> on his fucking face, and I'm uh, like, the fuck is this? He goes up and he annihilates the room, and I'm like, I cannot follow this. I don't know. I I'm going to speak. It's going to look like a cheat. Uh-huh. They take an intermission, I think, and they let everyone go get beers. Some wild shit in intermission to just stop a show. It, it's it, it, it's oddly enough, we did them through fully loaded. It was pretty fucking dope. Oh yeah, yeah it's actually pretty. It resets everything. Okay. And so then I go up. Host does you know five minutes. Brings me up with the cuntiest intro I've ever gotten. He's here. Uh, this from- mate <laughs> from across the pond. He's from America. He says he does stand up over there. Let's see. Put your hands for. But Bert Krishna, whatever the fuck. I'm like, okay. So I go up and I do six minutes and 45 seconds of my seven and I fucking murder. Nice. I mean, it's, it's right when I knew my speed, I knew my pacing, I had great jokes, I knew how to, I knew an audience, I knew clubs. You should have a host? What? You no, should have oh, a host. Nice. Didn't show on the host is, you know, whatever. We've been in clubs enough to know that that's, that energy floats around. Yeah. Um, Get off stage, and uh, the they're all in the back room, not boy with tape in his face. And the one guy, and the the host is like, "I guess you've done this before." <laughs> and I was like, "I have." And he was like, "That was fucking amazing." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." I just walked out of the club. I was like, "I'm never fucking performing here again." Oh, I'm sorry. I was, like, I, was but I mean, I probably would, but I just now I'm just do bigger venues, so yeah, I, there's yeah. no reason for me to go back there. I mean, except to exact even more revenge. See if that. No, host is I would still go back there. there. I would go back there if like I was working on something. Yeah, but like even like even the store here, I don't go unless I'm working on something. Like yeah. I'm not gonna. I I I'm, I've never been that like that Norton where you every you got to get your reps in every night or a tell. Mm-hmm. I've always been like you got to take some time off and live a little bit. Yeah, and so when I'm home, I try to be a little normal like hang out with my it's girls. important to have a life experience yeah i mean you have daughters and stuff yeah. to hang out with but for me it's i fluctuate between i gotta get a billion reps in yeah or i gotta uh, uh live a life and get drunk with my friends and do stupid shit you know yeah. what i mean right now because i'm on the road so much i'm on the ladder camp but if i were in new york like for months at a time for like two three months i would be I think it'd be a sustained period where I was going up like as much as I could. Are your friends mostly comics? Dudes you went to college with or dudes you grew up with? Mostly mostly college friends. I have like yeah. a few friends in comedy that I'm close with. Who are you close with in comedy? Che, Jerry Freed, oh, the Lucas Jared. Brothers. Yeah, that's my guy. I love the Lucas Brothers too. Yeah, They're those, fucking yeah, great, those are my boys. Uh, Mookie Thompson, who's a... Uh, uh, I don't know Mookie Thompson, but I already am in love with him yeah, with the name Mookie. It's he, one of my favorite names. He's great. He's great. He's named after... Uh, Mookie uh, Wilson? Yeah, Mookie Wilson. Yeah, I uh, love Mookie Wilson. Yeah, yeah. So Mookie yeah, Blaylock? Yeah, Mookie Mo- Blaylock. Yeah. There's another... Mookie's a great fucking yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's his... his He's got that's not his real name, but that's the only name he goes by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, it's one a weird of birth name. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird birth name. It's definitely not his birth name. Uh, but his parents were big Mets fans, Mookie uh, uh, Wilson fans. And so um, he's another friend of mine. Like, I bring him on the road with me. He yeah. opens sometimes and, you know, work. We write stuff together all the time, uh, movies and whatever. But uh, those are like my core group of friends and kind of Ricky Velez, like a few other Ricky people. Ricky Velez is great. Yeah. He's very talented. That's my, man. that's when I see. Ricky's one guy when I see him doing stand up, I'm just like, I gotta hit the fucking notebook. Like, God yeah. damn, this boy is killing it. Like, yeah, he's it, good, man. I I saw, I want to say I'm I, I do not know if I know him. I mean, I, I might have reached out to him. Uh-huh. Sometimes I like I'll watch clips and I'll be like, I'll be like, fuck, that guy's good. And then I just hit him up because I go, 
that's the natural reaction is because if what happens in comedy and you know this is like someone's good then in a weird way you get defensive uh-huh. and so if they're younger than me and they're good i just reach out to them and go, <laughs> go hey man you're funny as shit yeah yeah and then hope and especially that like they never follow me like so i'm always like you're really funny and they're like oh my god i can't believe you fucking dm me i'm like i think you're fucking funny <laughs> moses storm fucking kills me yeah and so i just had him on the road with me this past weekend but it was started with the text i was saw a bit he did uh, and I was like, I was fucking, I liked the special. Yeah. The special on HBO Max was awesome. And so. You uh, watch a lot. I don't I watch, watch. I watch a lot of comedy. I don't watch shit. I watch a lot of your comedy. I've watched a lot of your comedy. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I watched, uh, I was the f- one of the ones I saw a long, I want to say it was a long time ago. It probably wasn't. It was probably very recent. Was you were, had an interaction with a heckler in, in Boston who said, said someone needs to speak English. Yeah. I don't know what he was talking about. But what's so funny about that is your your crowd work is very interesting because you're very engaging, you're very sweet, but you still stab them. I'm trying, yeah. Like you're not like you're like in a weird way you stab them and pull them in closer. Yeah, and stab them and pull them in closer. Yeah. It's really fucking great. And it was funny because I it that clip in, in specifically spoke volumes to your experience in this country mm. and your experience in this world and your experience with white people thank you yeah i mean it was a it was such a that specific moment sticks out in my brain for a lot of reasons one of them being like that that clip on its own it exists in this weird place where you have no idea what has transpired in the show yeah because the person who i'm originally talking to is a woman who's on her phone and she's like was like, she spanish yeah she was speaking she was talking she was she was Hispanic, but she was fluent English speaker, but she's on the phone. And I'm like, I'm like, earlier in the show, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, what, you're on your phone. She's like, oh, sorry, I was just waiting for something. I was like, okay, you can go outside. And then like, she was trying to be, she, I, I, I kind of analyzed this when I watched it, if I'm not mistaken, she was trying to say, you were getting laughs and I thought I could talk. Yes. that's And, a, and you're like, that's not how this fucking works. I was like, thank you, but I can hear you. You're right there. She's like, I'm just trying to get a ride home. I'm like, okay, I understand that. And she she was talking to her mom in Spanish. And because this lady had been interrupting so much, like yeah. twice at that point, some guy in the back out back yelled out, speak English. And I was and and that was like, okay, well, this is like you've been bailed out, this lady who's yelling, yeah. because that's like I understand you're mad at this person, but there's a way to go about it. And I'm up here still. Like I can handle yeah. this. I don't need you to be yelling out speaking. But it's also such a it's it's such a it's it's I, I I've had so many notes on this when I watched <laughs> it yeah. because it is so sometimes and this is my first thought. I am very guilty of not seeing race when it comes to uh m- m- like if they're my friends. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see race like I've I've said horrible things to my close friends that are either like one of my best friends is Cuban. One mm-hmm. of my best friends that I've known since I was a kid is Cuban. I was just with him this weekend. We met, we met each other when we were thirteen, and I completely forget he's Cuban. I uh-huh. completely forget, and I will say things sometimes that are off color, and then I, and then I forget. Oh fuck, you, our experiences aren't identical. I did it to you know Jesus Trejo. Yeah, I was with Jesus Trejo. And I was like, super funny. I love this. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And the lady came over and she goes, "Would you like some uh, chips and guacamole?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." She goes, "What tortillas would you guys like?" And I go, "Flour." 
And then I look at Jesus. I go, I fucking hate when they do that. And he goes, what? And I go, they put the fucking extra Spanish on the word. Like, 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 what the fuck? And he goes, you mean they say it the right way? And I realized, oh, Jesus is Mexican. <laughs> but that guy, in a weird way, it's almost like I, I was wondering if he didn't see you as a, a person of color, mm -hmm. like, and was just like, speak English. Like, you were going to go, yeah, speak fucking English. Yeah, and you were like, oh, man, how can you be this fucking stupid? Yes. And then you're like, you can't say sh you're old enough to not know not to say shit like that's all i remember you go you're like how old are you and i'm in my head i'm like guys either got to be 50 or he's got to be 22 and he's like 30 and you're like oh fold on you're fucking way too old to be saying this shit. yes it was it was one of those like surreal i was like that was the last show i think in boston i think i did two or four it was yeah it was two it was a wednesday night and i remember it was the second show and and every time i come to boston i open with like i every time i come to boston something racist happens to me <laughs> or something racist happens around me something in my peripheral is yeah. there's just a little tinge of racism in boston whenever and we had gone so long to the, up to that point of like nothing racist that yeah. you're happening and sp speak english and i was like oh bro come on. and then you know i read the comments people like it's not racist to say speak english i'm like it kind of is it is to you <laughs> here's the thing is that the thing I say is it makes you cringe, mm -hmm. and it maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not straight out racist, right? But it it all you got to do is get me to cringe a little bit, and that happens a lot. Me more so than like, because I grew up I grew up in like I didn't grow up in a ton of diversity, obviously, mm -hmm. and so people still say fucked up shit when I'm at home, and I it I will just cringe going like in my head I go you're talking too loud yeah. to talk like this. Like, don't, and I'm not saying, like, the N-word or anything, but just, like, weird fucking shit where you're like, like, I'll give you a perfect example. This is a perfect fucking example. And, by the way, I feel safe saying this. Please. My dad, we went to an Italian restaurant, and the guy said, uh, uh, you should get that. He's an Italian guy. It's a good a bucatini. And my dad goes, hey, a bucatini. Back to him. I go, I can't do that. And he goes, what? He said it to me. I said, no, but you can't. <laughs> do his accent back to him that's kind of fucked up and i'm like and i'm like way too famous for you to be doing that. that's classic dad yeah. shit though and he was like what buddy it's a book of thing and i go stop that dude's already fucking making it worse so like those kind of things uh -huh. are just enough to make you cringe it's not racist but it's like it's like okay th that shit's got to be scrubbed a little bit you can't and i could tell he was trying to be he he was looking at you like this is my guy. Yeah. Because you were like, I think you were like, where did you find me? And he was like, the internet. Was, so he's a fan. He's a fan. And I think I think he thought he was helping the situation. Yes. And uh, you're right in that he probably didn't even see me or was there was no awareness as to what him saying speak English to an Indian guy <laughs> was going to be to when he's talking to a Spanish heckler. Like, yeah. the context is so wild. It's that. so wild. And he doesn't think of your, your father's journey, the fact that the yeah. man you love the most had to come to this country where people looked at him and speak fucking English. Speak English, yes. And, like, that's his... I mean, it's so... It was so interesting to me it was, because in my... in my, I would not have... I, I would have... I would have immediately, without thinking, mm -hmm. I would have... I'm trying to think how would I have handled that. And I would have befriended the guy who said speak English. Uh -huh. I would have tried to gotten close to him. Because uh -huh. I... And, and, and I, by the way, I also my crowd work was always mediocre because i had a hard time handling people roughly like every i don't for whatever my 
likability is that uh, whenever i am mean it really rubs people the wrong way i hate being mean though like i think yeah. there's a there's a instinct in me to be that and you know what people have seen on the crowd work is I'm, I'm very snappy with people you're very slick yeah like you're very like smooth i try to be but that's that's me on purpose like fighting the instinct to just be the mean person yeah because i much rather i much rather just be calm and like have it not land in like a mean like tense place yeah because it's we effectively have bully pulpits when we're on our we're, i could bully the fuck out of anybody in the audience yeah. to the point where it's like uncomfortable and people might be having a great time but that one specific person might be having the worst night of their life because i could i could have destroyed that guy and that's i think that we i from a recall, I rallied the crowd around him, and they're like, "Come on, bro, you too old to be behaving like this. You're off the hook. Like, let me talk to you for a second and trying yeah. to." I may may have lost the fan in that moment, but that could have been an even worse kind of doubling down, being mean about it. And my calmness is just me fighting the instinct to be mean because I like I grew up surrounded, you know, 16 first cousins, and my love our love language was just shitting on each other. Yeah. I can do it very well if I wanted to. Yeah. To a point where it's like, all right, now you're getting a little touchy, man. Like, <laughs> I'll make people, I can, I can make grown people cry if I really wanted to. I mean, you yeah. have the power to do that too. I've done it. I made people cry. I made a woman cry. <laughs> yeah. I made, I made a woman cry. Oh. And I, and I, I yeah. I've, and, but I got lucky. Is I, when I started to stand up, <laughs> when I started the whole stand up, go down the wrong pipe. Look at death. Funny story about this. I'll tell you after this. Finish. Sorry. I remember uh, I would have zingers that I thought was like, oh, this will <laughs> shut people down. Uh-huh. And I would lose the whole audience. I made a woman cry one time. I said something effect of God didn't give you a mouth for talking. <laughs> and she was like, I liked you. And I was like, what? And she goes, I was trying to help you. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, you're not. Shut your fucking mouth. And she was like, "Don't talk to me like that." And oh, it was like shit. all of a sudden it got really personal. Oh, I was no. lucky. I was lucky enough to do it when no one had fucking phones uh-huh. and, and no one could record. I mean, my, some of my crowd work went so sideways. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! And and I would take chances that I would never take now mm-hmm. because stand up was a little different back then. In that, like I'm Cleveland Improv used to be a predominantly black club oh really yeah yeah it was all black and it was in the, it was in the powerhouse district i think is what it's called it's a great bar right on the on the corner that was that ryan dunn you and mom used to work at mm-hmm. uh and then there was a great strip club christie's it was like but it was like and you would get the most aggressive crowd sometimes where they were like prove yourself yes and you'd have to prove yourself and the only way you could prove yourself was to challenge them back. Mm-hmm. And I've said some pretty aggressive things to all black audiences. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Where you go, now if they had a video of that. You didn't look, Kramer them, did you? No, okay. no, no. <laughs> so one thing, I, I was saying to someone the other day, I was saying to Ron, my bus driver, uh-huh. he was like, when's the last time you said the N-word? And I was like, I was like, I had to think. I was like, sang it? Because I've sang it still. <laughs> uh-huh. And I go, but I go, I don't think I've said it in a very long time. Uh-huh. And he was like, I was like, at least you're honest. And I was like, well, no, I'm, I grew up in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I grew up in a neighborhood where that word was part of the vernacular of things, of different actions. They use it as a verb. Uh-huh. And I was like, and I was like, you can't deny your past. Like, that's the first neighborhood I lived in was white trash. White, like, really white trash. And then the next neighborhood we moved to was, I mean, 
I want to say like it was nice. It was way nicer. Your dad's a lawyer. My dad's well, my dad was a lawyer. He worked for uh when he when he was a just a regular lawyer. Lawyers most lawyers don't make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was a regular lawyer, like just personal injury, he, he represented a, a, a biker gang called uh, called the Outlaws. Okay, uh, which is only very interesting to a comic uh-huh. because. There was a club in in Milwaukee that was owned by one of the ex outlaws. Oh shit! Yeah, so yeah, so if you ever worked that club, mm-hmm. there was a biker gang that ran it, and so I only I got in with the the owner. I think the owner's passed, but he didn't like me all week, oh. all week. And then at the end of the week, he goes, <clears throat> he goes, uh, I I said something like, oh yeah, he doesn't like he's a biker. I said what biker gang, and they said the outlaws. I said it's my it's funny my dad represented the outlaws, and they were like really. Huh. And I guess word got back to him. So the Sunday night, I'm walking. I was like, "What's up, buddy?" And he's like, uh, "Who's your dad?" I said, "My dad's Al Kreischer." And huh. He goes, "He represented uh, Outlaws out of Jacksonville." And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Hold on, <laughs> you're the little kid." And I went, "Yeah." And he goes, "You remember any of that?" And I said, "I remember there was a guy named Lefty and a guy named Slowpoke." And he goes you're the fucking little kid and i was like yeah and it was like this uh, he was like god damn it al christ your son's a comedian <laughs> and i was like yeah 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 so my dad represented them and then my Whoa, dad, was that lefty or slope no it was neither it was oh, i think okay. his name was i don't know i'm not gonna say his name okay and so uh but then my dad got the church of scientology and as so, a client as a client yeah. jesus so he defended someone so this is the way the church worked back then i'm sorry if i'm tom cruise is losing his shit right now. <laughs> but like this is the way the church worked Someone tried to leave the church. The church didn't want them to leave. The, there was like a, my dad represented the person, one person wanted to leave the church and he won a lawsuit against the church. So the church went back and said, anyone who could beat us is good enough to be our attorney. Got it. And then hired my dad under retainer basically because he was, they were, they were really big and out of Clearwater. My dad was in Tampa. Uh-huh. So we basically, they basically just cut in their competition yeah. so that no one could go to my dad going, he's already beat the thing. So he was under retainer. So we got money. Got like, I want, I want to say like, three hundred thousand dollars or something is like the retainer so we could we could move out of that shit neighborhood but they were saying the n-word the entire time i remember (laughs) the first time my my dad went down to someone's house knocked on the door my dad's from new york very fucking liberal Mm -hmm. um knocked on someone's door and was like you guys using the n-word in front of my son and the dad was like who gives a fuck i mean it's 1970 fucking seven uh the N-word was still used at McDonald's back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and my dad knocked on his door and fucking <laughs> bitched the guy out and threatened to fight him. And then he was like, we're getting out of this fucking neighborhood. We moved to a nicer neighborhood, which was a little more diverse. Uh-huh. And you never heard the N-word there. And then, yeah. and then, and then, in, and then in, co- in high school, uh, just, it wasn't, it just wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wrote about it in my book, but in college, it was the first time I heard it again. Because mm-hmm. Tallahassee was still very segregated. It was yeah. FAMU and Florida State. Where'd you go? FSU? F- FSU, yeah. Okay. And so, uh, but yeah, you can't you can't deny. But like I said, I knew nothing about anyone. I remember I did. I had to do a report on Pakistan in ninth grade, and I just I said I just said Pakistan the whole time, and the fucking place was crying, laughing. And it was like about nuclear obliteration or something. Why was Pakistan such an important place for Russia to take over? And I just fucked around for six minutes uh-huh. and gave a speech and and fucking murdered the audience. I mean, the crowd was on their fucking knees laughing, but I failed it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you did your report on Bangladesh yep. by accident, Bert. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's uh but yeah it's funny now i'm now i'm super fascinated by all that shit like uh -huh. especially afghanistan and what happened with like in the, in the i'm fascinated by r the fact that russia had tried to take over afghanistan in the 80s and, and that we gave them we gave the rebels money to beat communism so to speak and yeah then that turned into al-qaeda and the taliban isn't yeah. that fucking crazy it's just how it goes man it's just isn't that fucking crazy it, it's it's gonna happen we're gonna have some wild shit i mean iran would not be in a position iran is in had had we had allowed the in the 1970s and i'll speak to it just very little knowledge about it like in the 1970s we were very pro like that the country was very liberal, like in the 1970s. Yeah, but then we helped the regime, the like the religious re regime, take over, and that's set into place what's happened now. Like yeah. the generations, and now they turned they turned against us. It, it, but it used to be like this, the the New York of the Middle East, you know, like the 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 beautiful a beautiful place Iran was. Isn't that crazy? I'm sure still I'm sure it still is, but you know, obviously it's a fucking run yeah. by theocracy now. But I would love to go over there. I want to go over there too. Have you ever been to India? I've been once. Really? 2013, uh, first time ever. Uh, it was, I, I look back at it like very fondly, but I also remember being such an asshole to my parents. Oh, you were with your parents? <clears throat> and my parents, my parents and my sister. Um, and I was at a point in my, uh, so I worked in finance in like, you know, uh, assistant positions from like 20, 2009 to around 2016. Mm -hmm. And it was right after I'd been let go uh, from the last job I was going to have at, at this investment bank as an assistant. And I was also like, still like, not sure of my place in comedy. You know, I was like three or four years in at this point. I'm like, I want to hit open mics all the time. Like, the fuck? And now I got to go to India. And like, it's like smelly. And there's like, I'm not, we're, my parents aren't rich or anything. So we're we're not living like kings out there. We're, yeah. we're, we're doing fine, like middle class. But I'm like, you know, uh, like the roads aren't good like all this shit is just playing in my head and uh, uh i just remember like i think the second to last day like my mom and i got into an argument about like how shitty the hotel we were staying in was i just remember being such an asshole about it yeah and so that kind of taints my memory of it but on the flip side it was such an eye-opening experience because like i and it's harsh to say but i stopped feeling bad for poor people in the states like, like I, and I still, I have empathy and sympathy for that. But when I saw it in India, like it made me callous in a sense, but it also made me like heartbroken. I'm like, this is like the cradle of civilization. There's a billion people. A lot of them look like me. There's a, there's a family of four, five sleeping on the ground, five, five laid out, just asleep. Yeah. And I have a bit about it, but it's a hundred percent true. It's like, is literally outside of the billionaire tower. You know Mukesh really? Ambani? No. Mukesh Ambani and the Ambani brothers are the two richest people in India. Like net worth each is like $40 billion or Dude, something. I hope they're into two bears, one kid. <laughs> yeah, I would they, love to meet dudes like that. They, Keep going. They, <laughs> they, are, they run a conglomerate. They have like $80 billion total or something. They built the world's most expensive residential uh, building ever. It's just for them. It's a two. Well, these brothers, I want to see them. Good it, luck. Good it, luck spelling their names. <laughs> Mukesh Ambani. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. They have a two billion dollar residence in the middle of Mumbai. Two billion U.S. dollars in the middle of Mumbai, outside, like not twenty feet from the front, is a family of five sleeping. And I'm like, 
I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around how this, how my people, our people would allow this to exist. Yeah. It just bothered me. Is that yeah, the building? That's the building. Oh, that's fucking nice. <laughs> it's 600 feet tall. Holy shit. It's a, it's a family residence. They got gardens and uh, uh, what's it, garages. and. I got to go to India. <laughs> By the way, the, I, I've, I've heard so much about India. I want to go perform. I can't wait to too. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. If, uh, okay, I'll set it up. <laughs> Please, I'll I'm set down. it up. I will I definitely we go. Yeah, we can move some what, tickets. What's, uh, what's the... What's the comic who's really big? Virdas. Virdas. Yeah, yeah. Virdas. Uh, he uh, he got gets in trouble with India. He gets. I mean, because he's he's from India, so like he can't exactly. I think what he told me they're charging him with uh, defaming, defaming uh, India on non-Indian soil or something. Yeah, he is that what that guy looks like? Oh, that bums me out. Yeah, no, thought he'd be younger and cooler. Looking. No, 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 he's. He's what a, he's the evil Indian billionaire. <laughs> See this guy. This guy could definitely help change India. See, I okay. Hold on. Let's. We have too much to want to talk about. Yeah. So wait, Virdas did that speech at the Kennedy Senator. I didn't see it, but yes, it's fucking. It's pretty good. Okay, it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. I can't, I'm not gonna. I can't say anything to it. It's pretty good. Okay. Like I like I as a comic, you want to pick it apart, mm -hmm. but it's pretty good. Okay. And, and but, I, but there's parts I don't understand because I I don't really know too much about india mm -hmm. but i know that people were outraged but it doesn't seem like it wasn't like hannah gatsby like it was like yeah, yeah. i don't understand why everyone got really upset <laughs> but, but, india raped me yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> so, but uh but uh by the way joking hannah if you ever want to come on the podcast i'll have you in a heartbeat <laughs> the uh but but it he got into a lot of trouble for it and i watched it i liked the speech i think i hit him up and was like dude great job out of the fucking billion people that hit him up i'm sure uh -huh. but um but he's from india yes and so he kind of can't like but he's an american is he big in india he's huge in india okay he's I, thought he was, I thought he was big he's big here too he's he's got uh, a massive fan base in india um he's he's big here too in yeah. the expat community and the indian community for sure uh but in i think he was telling me in his first special like but one of his first specials, they did like two venues, kind of like how Chris did Kill the yeah, Messenger, yeah, you know, yeah. cut between. The India one is like oh, I saw that. 10,000 people. And the American one is like 600 people. You yeah, know, so like Sacramento he, Funny Bone. Yeah, somebody, he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's the Ice House. It's just like, <laughs> it's it's a, uh, it's such a huge difference. I mean, but he's, he's growing here and he's still, he's going to be very successful here. But in India, it's like a fucking entirely exponential difference it's got to be weird to go to, to be so big in your country that you have to take you know fucking private uh sprinter vans places you have to have security and then you can come here and like you go i'll just take a taxi yeah i'll just chill man i'll just i'll just walk down the street it's got to be kind of cool yes for especially for a guy like him who's so big then to come here and be like well maybe 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 that not maybe he wants that he wants maybe he wants to be as big here as there I think I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, who what narcissist that does comedy doesn't want to be a big, as big? Oh, well, as I just could. realized I won't need to take like I well like I'm pretty when we're traveling <laughs> in the states. I, I I usually travel like you know sprinter vans and car services and mm -hmm. you know fly private when I can. But when I'm in Europe, I won't, I can fly commercial fucking 
I can fly a commercial coach and everyone will be like, I don't know who the fuck you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, and I go, that'll be kind of fucking it's refreshing, nice. I It'll imagine. be nice to be able to just be like disappear into fucking it was like that. Well, I take that back. No, that's not true. Are you in the streets famous? Yeah. You are. In state LA? Yeah. Everyone, everyone in the country, people yeah. will bother you. Yeah. Well, I'm ex- let me re- rephrase that. I'm accessible. Mm-hmm. Like my whatever you want to, for lack of a better word, brand is uh is approachable yeah i feel i was gonna say i feel like people people buy me a shot they want yeah, to drink with me they want to talk to me they 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 know me i've been so open and honest on podcasts that they're like they feel like they know me yeah and so like people will be like like it, it's yeah it's it's pretty i mean anyone that works with me now is pretty aggressive where you're like i can't i used to be able to um i used to love this is uh before the show go for a jog at like five o'clock jog for an hour and come back at six mm-hmm. take a shower and I can't leave my I can't leave my tour bus. Oh shit! Without without security or without I can't I can't even go outside my tour bus sometimes mm. because people are lined up out there. Um, yeah, but it, I think I, it's all it's all good. You you like I've always uh, I was my talking, daughters hate it. Yeah, I imagine it was very problematic. It's um, got to be very different with kids. My daughters, uh, my daughter going to college, it was very problematic uh-huh. because like I went to drop her off and it was. Uh, it was you know it was every every 10 minutes someone would recognize me and my daughter's like i just want to go to school here i don't want to be your daughter i just want to go to school here uh-huh and so it kind of had to i kind of had to take a back seat it ruined a caught one college for us she went to boulder and we went to do a tour and uh and everywhere we went kids were recognizing me and she was like and she immediately was like i don't want to go to school here and i was like <laughs> motherfucker oh, i'm sorry but she's i'm she's happy where she's going but uh-huh. uh but yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not bad. I, I like it. I, but I'm. A, I'm an approachable guy. I like interacting with people. Yeah, so I like it too. Me. But what gets to me, like, I'll have. I'll be on stage and people will ask me like personal questions. I love that. I find it. I will answer some personal questions, but there's like I built up like a, a. a, a I instilled a policy in myself. Like there's some things I'm just gonna be like we we ain't gonna be friends. Uh, you know what I mean, like I see, I have the exact opposite yeah. where I tell secrets. Oh, okay. And so, like, I th- so that's that's why I fucked that up. Uh-huh. I I started telling secrets about my family, about everything. I I I I part of me loved when when comics did that, when comics get drunk and go on stern and they just tell everything. Uh-huh. And I think part of me just started doing that naturally, and it's definitely not a wise way to approach it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it isn't. I've and it, I yeah. But I, I'm. Tosh was like that. He was like, "You tell them everything." Yeah. I was like, "Yeah." I mean, I I think, I don't know how much of it is having seen like what happens if you just let people have you entirely. Yeah. Or if I'm just like a guarded person, I think it's a mix of both. It's a mix of both, but it's really smart. You know, Segura's just... like that. He doesn't want anyone to know the fuck anything about him. Right. Anything. And 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 you know, he's. I think he's. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. What is the need in you that feels like you got a same need that gets me on stage? Uh-huh. It's identical. There's no, it's no, there's no separation between the two. The, th- the reason I get on stage is the same reason I, I don't mind when people recognize me. Is I don't mind, I don't mind any of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I like, I don't mind. I love talking on podcasts. I love being on podcasts. Uh-huh. I love doing stand up. Um, I don't like red carpets. I don't like the, I, there's parts of this business I don't like, but I just avoid it. Yeah. And you, it's easy to avoid. I don't like being like on a, like if they did the celebrity uh, edition of Jeopardy, that makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't do that. 
Um, you like being the regular guy. I like, like I don't like. Uh, I'm I'm not a big fan, and I and I'll do it from time to time. But I'm not a big fan of doing um, late night talk shows. Uh huh. But I I did Conan because I loved Conan. Yeah. But like the idea that there would be four questions that I would already have rehearsed, like it just seems so bizarre to me that I don't want that. Yeah. Like I like this. Like I like going on Rogan and doing five hours and getting fucking blitzed, <laughs> and then waking up in L.A. going, "Holy oh, shit, I was in Austin yesterday." Like I love that. Um. <laughs> i loved i love going to new york and doing a press run and just like uh-huh. i love finding cool shit like uh-huh. i remember finding like there's a period of my career where i was like finding uh cool things to do like uh i won't say the names of i'll say like Jesus and miro i remember discovering them uh-huh. and then being like hey get me on Jesus and miro and then like that that was fun because i was a fan of them yeah um i like that i i uh I don't mind. I don't mind. Like I, I, I used to. I mean, this is really bad. I used to get done my show and tell everyone where I was drinking. I did that. You know, I did that in in Austin. Okay, like last year. Yeah. You know, I just done a nine show run. My first like like the first part of my first time I've ever been like successfully touring. Yeah. Is April May time of last year, and uh, uh, just a nine show run. My friends from college are in town. In Austin. In Austin. No, I did a nine show run in Texas. So That's I did. Great. I think I did. I did Dallas, and then I did. I think I did one or two at Dallas Improv, and then I did like two shows in Austin. Went to San Antonio, Houston, four shows. Back to Austin to do. Four. Wow, those are that's those. I'm, I'm by the way, I know what that paycheck is already. Is yeah, that yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I was just like, this is nuts. Yeah, and and my friends are in town. Like I invited my friends to come. Like yo, let's hang out in Austin. Second show, I'm I'm tired as fuck, but I'm like, hey, we're gonna have the after party at so and so. Yeah, I we, you know. Take a bunch of shrooms. Oh, I love this story already. <laughs> Take a bunch of shrooms. And and I'm like, and we go into this the back room of this spot. I think if if I I don't want to name it because I'm not so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but yeah, it's a it's where all the strippers hang out on a Sunday night, but then there's a back room that's like a regular people bar. Like yeah. it's where all the, the well, people who are working. Text it to me. I was just curious. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fun ass place. And it's not like a stripper hangout, it's just like where everyone ends up yeah. partying back room and i say that's where the after party is gonna be and i get there a little bit there's a line like like 20 somethings like very young people waiting to meet me and now the shrooms have kicked in and i'm like oh fuck like i don't know if i'm ready to talk to strangers on shrooms because like i uh i've smoked a little bit and now i'm gonna be very honest with all these people yeah and i don't know if i'm ready for that but i'm like fuck it all right come in and we, we go and i'm just talking to all these people and i'm just like revealing shit like you know just i don't know i don't even know what i was saying i'm like and at, at one point it just became i became very cognizant of the fact that i'm re-entertaining the people that i yeah. had just entertained because they don't want to see me as this like i'm pretty quiet otherwise like i'll drink and have fun and bullshit and whatever yeah. but i'm like very like oh, these are my friends i'm talking to them i haven't seen these people in a long time i'm hanging out with all these people i'm not like Hey, stranger, you know, like, let's that's get to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing that. Like, that's not me. I'm like, I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, I know my friends. I'll talk to people that are sitting yeah. next to me. But otherwise, I'm like, here. But now I got all these fans. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, no. Like, in my head, I'm like, all I right. made a mistake. I made a fucked up. <laughs> mind you, mind you, the shrooms are like, these are like very good shrooms. Someone gave them to me in Houston. They were like, she was like, these are farmed. Uh, I farm these myself. They're oh. very. They're like fucking huge. I'm like, oh shit. Take the shroom. <laughs> Mind you, like, I'm 
talking to people as I'm talking to them, I'm seeing like newspaper print flash between my eyes. Like it's like a weird hallucination. It's oh. like I'm seeing like the times that I read, like the yeah. article, and like there's mirrors on the wall and everything's moving, and I'm so fucking laced. Luckily, there's a group of like five Indian kids all dressed like Schultz. And so, <laughs> so I'm just like, I just, I just, I just get to shit on them. And like that, like centers me again. I'm like, all right, guys, you got your roast. You guys good? Yeah. Thanks for coming. And then I go to the next group, talk to them. Hey, thank you so much. How are you about yeah. the show? Like, oh, you guys are 20 minutes or 30 minutes. That's crazy. You drove here. Let's get a shot. At one point, one of them tries to take a picture of the shot, of the shot we're doing. I'm like that kind of re-centers like, hey, guys, let's have this moment for us. Like, I don't yeah. want to take no pictures. This fucking 20 year old girls drinking around. Like, I don't want anything, yeah. any ideas getting out anywhere. Finally, I think I've calmed down, sit at the bar by myself, get that, get that shroom, like deep breathing in, you know? Yeah. And I, I, to this day, I don't know if I hallucinated this guy or not, but it's like a six foot four Indian kid who's like 20 years old, <laughs> the thickest Dallas accent I've ever heard. Oh, shut hey, up. Hey, sir. This man, I'm new at comedy. I, I was wondering if uh, I could open for you. How do you uh, go about opening? I was like, just get on stage. Hope you get good. Hit me up uh, and, and send me something. Maybe uh, I really don't bring people. Like, I, I don't, if I don't know you, I don't know you. Yeah. Uh, and like, I know how I earned my spots open for people. I definitely asked people, but I was definitely at a point where I'd done a lot of work before. Yeah. Uh, so maybe get to there. And so if you're listening, wherever you are, hit me up, bro. Six foot, six foot four Indian guy. <laughs> With a Dallas accent. Like, it was Texan. And That's I was, fucking crazy. I, I was like. And I, I already kind of want to see him perform. Yeah, I all, I kind of want to see it. And I was just like, in my head, I'm just like, these shrooms are too fucking strong, man. <laughs> <laughs> these, and I went outside the balcony spot, uh, uh, that the spot of the balcony. I'm sitting there. And the promoter for the, the, the Houston show, the Austin shows, Thought it would be funny to uh, have two strippers come to the um, show. Yeah. And they had heckled me and I had talked to them because I, we were talking about strip clubs for whatever reason. And they engaged. Like, and then I clicked to me. Oh, these are strippers. They come to the after party. After party. Now I'm tripping on shrooms. Yeah. And I'm at that shroom point where I was like, uh, I'm just thinking about how lucky I am. My life is crazy. I'm sitting outside like. <laughs> Like, man, I just did nine shows in a row. Like, this is the most money I made doing stand-up ever. Like, I'm like, my friends are here. This is great. I'm sitting there. My boy is sitting next to me who, like, is a six-foot-two Asian kid who, like, is jacked, right? He's yeah. a brolic dude, plays sports and stuff. Stripper sits on his lap and starts asking me if I could mentor her in comedy. And I'm just like, oh. lady, I'm... Ask Mookie. <laughs> Ask Mookie. Like, he knows. He taught me everything I know. Like, I don't That's know shit. Hilarious. And, and I was just like, and she, I was like, listen, I can't, I cannot have this conversation right now. Like, I'm too fucked up on shrooms. Yeah. Please, like, I appreciate you. Maybe we talk later. She gets up, goes away. And I look at my boy, John. I'm like, bro, like, you fired at security. <laughs> He's like, what? She sat on my that's, lap. I was that's like, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you were fired, bro. I know you don't know what was your role, but that you just passed. You failed the audition I was having in my head for you. With the bustling holiday season just around the corner, it's the perfect time to plan ahead with Factor, a ready-to-eat meal delivery. They shop, prep, cook, and deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays, minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan, Veggie, and 
36 plus weekly add-ons, you will have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. I love Factor. We got a bunch of factors here and we tore through them. What I love about them, it takes two minutes to heat up because sometimes you're so hungry, you're like, get it in my mouth. And they are phenomenal. The holidays are already packed. Luckily, Factor's fresh, never frozen meals make it easy to fuel up, ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factor is flexible. Change your order up to every week with plans from four to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, even more to keep me energized during these holiday times. Head to go.factor75.com slash BERT60 and use the code BERT60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code BERT60 at go.factor75.com slash BERT60 to get 60% off your first box. How long did you do clubs for? I'm, I'm still just... Well, you're a, doing theaters now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a bunch of theaters this year. Uh, Warner Theater coming up. Let's out. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, that's one of my first theaters I ever did with Maz Jabrani. So yeah. I'm very excited. I love DC. I'm doing Town Hall in LA. I got a few DC shows coming. Town, Town Hall is great. In yeah. New York? Yeah, Town Hall in New York. I got LA. I need people to buy tickets. I'm doing the eight, the Vegas. theater at the Ace Hotel. Ace yeah. Hotel is great. Yeah. It's a great venue. I can't wait. Um, and then Masonic. I think I'm going to tape at Masonic. In, I, in, in San Francisco? In, in San Francisco, yeah. Nice. Um, uh, is your... You, this sounds crazy, but is your, I would imagine your audience is extremely diverse. It's the most, that's the most remarkable thing about TikTok is that people think it's kids and like whatever, but it is the craziest distributor of material ever. Like I've yeah. got 80 year old white ladies, 20 year old Indian kids and everyone in between. Like that's it's, it's, great. it's beautiful to see. And I hope it keeps up. Is that, is that like, like, uh, is that the same for like Russell Peters was a predominantly Asian? I say Asian as in the continent, mm -hmm. Asian audience, right? Yeah. And then uh, Hassan is strong, like very, very Indian. Very uh, Indian. I only know that because I looked at the audience shots. Yeah. And some of his material was so specific mm -hmm. to Indian people that I was like, like some of like I like the idea that Indian people are aware of titles of doctors i have no fucking clue <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like mo versus po or whatever md versus do yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, got yeah, a lot of heat yeah. for that but uh he did yeah i mean it, it it's like uh, i don't know if i don't want to say a lot but he definitely got do is mad at him for diminishing what they're doing it's like come on take a fucking joke you guys are still doctors yeah uh my uh my my sister's boyfriend's a do and, and uh I, a bunch of kids i went to high school with their do's and they're all like fantastic doctors that make just as so much money. And what's the deal between MD? I think DO? there's a, a slight difference in the uh, education. In the in the like, I think they have a holistic part of their education. They have to like learn, this, take training in how everything in the body is interconnected. Uh, so correct me if I I, I I don't know anything. I'm not speaking with any Type authority. Type in M M D O versus M D. Yes, it was like one of his opening jokes, and I didn't I didn't know what either of them. I don't yeah. know the difference between doctors. Uh -huh. Like, I was like, I mean, like, I know that you'd go to an oncologist uh -huh. for cancer. or uh, you'd go Oncologist, to, yeah. I, that you go to uh, a, a cardiologist for your heart yeah. or a podiatrist for your foot. Yeah. But I didn't know what. You know enough. An you know MD that. and a DO are complete, and a DO complete similar residencies. 
prescribed medication, and can practice in all 50 states. The main difference is DOs is that DOs complete additional hands-on training in a technique termed osteopathic manipulative medicine. Yes, whatever the fuck that is. I, I don't, don't know. even know what osteopathic is. But DOs and MDs can prescribe medicine. That's all that matters. And uh, can treat people equally. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the nomenclature now is just makes people offensive. Offend doctors of DOs offended because it makes uh, uh, patients think, oh, you, you're not an MD, you're a fucking DO. Like, I, but really, it's the same shit. I wonder. I wonder what the life expectancy of an American. This that's the wrong terminology. Uh, what I'm about to say is American Indian, but uh-huh. American and an Indian American, uh-huh. Indian American. That's right. Indian American. Yeah. I didn't. By, by the way, today I just realized how offensive it is calling a native american person an indian yes it's, it's grossly offensive grossly <laughs> offensive because it's it's not even it's not the right thing no they it, thought they were the wrong thing yes it's and that's so and i was like i remember being like why i don't know like are you serious not realizing columbus came here and was like oh look at all these indian people yes that was it's like i don't know who's got that bit but it's like i think a billion people have that bit of what? just like he was looking for us yeah. Kind of, you, know, yeah. you know and so it's like it's offensive to because well, you guys owned all the spices yes that was you guys were the fucking isn't that crazy that people would risk their lives for saffron yeah black pepper Quran, yeah. all that shit they were coming thousands of miles to jack our shit isn't that crazy that india kind of had all the spices yes we to are, this day still has yeah all the spices. huge exporter of black pepper and saffron pistachios all that kind of stuff yeah it's and one of the largest exporters of beef Really? Mm-hmm. And but you and you can't you don't eat we it. We don't right? eat it, but there's a huge Muslim population. Well, I, well, oh yeah, Hindu people don't eat Hindu eat, Hindu people don't eat beef, but there's Hindu people believe in a lot of gods, right? Well, it well I don't want to get in trouble because Hindus are like very angry. But... Okay, never. I love <laughs> Hindu people, and I believe in what the, I'm actually Hindu. But I don't. We are all Hindu. We just don't know it. Uh, <laughs> I heard the same thing about gay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hands there too. <laughs> uh it's a monotheistic religion from a certain perspective in the sense that we all come from brahma which is effectively the creator of the brahma and uh vishnu so brahma is the the all ultimate god yeah it's like the universe let's say okay and then vishnu krishna the other deities are just uh all or different manifestations of that god and so they each have their own kind of thing that they're known as uh for their their powers of uh kali is the destroyer and the, re- the regener- regenerator vishnu is like prosperity etc like i don't know all of them yeah. uh, but i do know that they're all subsidiaries of, of brahma brahma and, we and all- is your are your parents hindu yes and so uh I, all i know about hindu the hindu religion is from duncan trussell uh-huh and uh from uh i think it was like dunkin donuts <laughs> no and jack kerouac oh okay because he wrote a book called dharma bums did he yeah i never dharma read... bums is a great book dharma 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 yeah, yeah, dharma isn't dharma part yeah, of dharma is like it is uh in hindu scripture the quote-unquote righteous and right way to live right yeah, and so yeah. this is about two dharma bums mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful title i'll have to check it out i said that, that's a, that would be i wonder who owns the rights to that all I remember is that when I hike, sometimes I, I, uh, they would do haikus as they hiked. Uh huh. So they would jump from rock to rock and recite haikus. Huh. It's basically, it's a book about white privilege, pretty nice. much. <laughs> white privilege in the fifties. Uh, yeah, I got to read it. Yeah. I've been trying to up my reading a lot more. So Dharma Bum seems. I'll like tell you a good one to read. Uh, Operation Hotfoot. 
It's okay. about it's about this is so cool. Uh, see, op, type in Operation Hotfoot. Um, so during the overthrow of the Shah mm-hmm. and the uh, Ayatollah Khomeini taking over in Iran, yeah, in Iran, yeah, they. Um, by the way, especially if like because I think Maz's parents were involved in all this shit, mm-hmm. and uh, they kidnapped a bunch of Americans. Most some some of these Americans worked for Ross Perot. Okay. And Ross Perot created Project Hotfoot. Is that what it is? No, Operation Hotfoot. Is there a book called Operation Hotfoot? I've used the term Operation Hotfoot so much. <laughs> Type in Ross Perot. Eagle Claw. Uh, there you go. Uh, Operation Eagle Claw. I don't know where that the fuck is. So I got. off on Hotfoot, but yeah. right. <laughs> so he so a bunch of his people worked there uh-huh. and Ross Perot. Uh, had a fucking re- planned a rescue mission. This okay. is a great fucking book. Uh-huh. And he went in and in like and and he went in with his team and they fucking rescued a bunch of their fucking badass. employees and fucking pulled them out. There's no movie about this. I don't know why. I think because Ross Perot was such a polarizing figure and uh-huh. then he kind of ruined the election for uh, Republicans because every time he ran, then every he was like kind of a Republican yeah, also. Yeah, so so they're like, votes away, we'll yeah. just take Clinton right. and then. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to I, read it. I, I thought it was opera. I can't believe you know I've said that to my daughters a million times. They're I'm the there. kind of guy that'll read one thing, it'll it'll shine to me. Uh-huh. Certain things shine to me, right? Um, like uh and, and you can never forget them. One of the things we were talking about, Chris Rock, one of the things um I don't know uh Aziz at all. Okay. But uh but one of the things he said with David Chang one time was that it was really hard for them. They were eating food at Aziz's parents, I think. I want to say they live in Orlando now. Only because that's what it looked like on TV. They were in uh, one of the Carolinas. Yeah, but I think they live in Orlando now. Okay. And I only say that because I only say that because I watched this thing on on Netflix and it just looked like Orlando. Okay. I mean, it looked so much like Orlando. I was like, I was like, it's, you know, see something and then you you don't even get information about it. I've been there. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I went, I went, oh, his parents live in Orlando. Uh-huh. I don't know why I said that. And I knew he grew up in South Carolina, but uh-huh. he said they were saying it was so difficult for them as kids to grow up in in a school system where they brought Indian food or Korean food. I think I think David Chang's Korean, mm-hmm. but they bring it to school and they get mocked and ridiculed for the smell or the look or the the like you have a raw egg on that or a a a, a, a a soft-boiled egg on that what the fuck white kids and then to see these same white kids open indian inspired restaurants yeah and take all these flavors and smells that they hated or they mocked them for now you love that shit it stuck with me there's a few things that stick with me and i think that's that and operation hot foot operation hot foot <laughs> and, and, and and when kumail got jacked i got really because everyone started making not, I mean, look I, I love you kumail you know yeah. kumail knows that Everyone started like making fun of him because he was, you know, an alt guy uh-huh. who's into comic books and and like sensitivity. And then he got jacked, and everyone's like, kind of. And then he said it was about representation, and I didn't get it mm-hmm. until I got it. And then I went, "Oh yeah, why is every fucking Pakistani guy in the movie got to be the guy going? Check it now, you know, like like why can't you be a fucking jacked fucking? Yeah, he's brolic. Yeah, I joke so- about it." yeah <laughs> <laughs> i definitely do <laughs> but it's a pro camille joke it's a pro like let's get together make yeah. a movie where we rewrite history but okay can i ask you a weird question All and this them. is gonna come out odd please but, like you're an attractive dude thank you do you feel like 
do you feel like there's less racism for attractive people of color uh-huh. versus ugly people of color? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I would imagine that being attractive is good across the board. So I'm sure it's reduced the amount of racism I've like, experienced. You know, Pat, Pat, Padma Lakshmi? Yeah. Is that right? Padma Lakshmi, yeah. Yeah, Padma Lakshmi. I, uh, Who would be racist towards her? Exactly. Impossible. And, but yet she still has she still has all the markers of racism in her life she still experienced them yeah but it be, be, be it through her family through people saying shit sideways and she's all got the, the same sensitivity but but when people see her they celebrate her because she's gorgeous pull up a picture Have you ever, this woman is so her. fucking yes, beautiful of course she is so fucking beautiful i want to you know when you talk about racism just experiencing it like i i i always maybe i didn't experience enough of it but for me, it was never, a, and I talk about it in the special, what have you, but it's like, I, there was never moments for me where I was like, I felt evil white people around me. It, it was never, or evil racism yeah. happened around me because I grew up, again, surrounded by Indian people. So for us, it was like, I was racist towards all the Indian people and we were racist towards each other because it was like, you're different than me. Like, you're making me look bad. Like, look at how, like, Get your shit together, kind of. Wait, is Akash the same thing you are? Akash is uh, not Gujarati. No, he's Punjabi, okay. I think. Punjabi, yeah. But yeah, yeah. We're we're definitely brothers, you know. But it was like, uh, but like, but but it's almost like Irish and Scottish, right? Is that is that I, right? Uh, I don't. Uh, what's I, so they're two separate countries, Ireland. They're separate separate countries. Well, no, not really, because they're all. I don't I mean, know. Technically, they? countries are te- technically countries are up in the air when you talk about because. Britain came through, and what they did brilliantly is they went go through and chop up countries based on, who, like let's let's separate the home team. Mm-hmm. So let's cut that country in half and put them in the same country with the people that hate them. Yeah, and then so then we can control them because we can just if if anyone starts to take control, we'll just go to the other people and be like, that was the the brilliance of imperialism. They've done that exceptionally well most places. Yeah, and that's how like America is uh, divided amongst race as opposed to class. You know, I, yeah. I, I, did you ever read uh, um, the new Jim Crow? No, Michelle Alexander. Uh uh-uh. uh It was she. It was this. It came out. I'm gonna nerd out, but like a few years ago. But and this is something that stuck with me. It's probably the only thing that stuck with me from that book. She's explaining how racism came to exist after Civil War ended. After Civil War, poor white. There was you know emancipated blacks, right? They're still poor white people. And now all these emancipated blacks are also poor. This was poor whites and poor blacks. And now the poor whites and poor blacks recognize that, oh shit, we are the same. We've been enslaved, but you poor white people are not better, much better off than us. Yeah. We got to kill a rich white person. White people are like, yo, we got to tell these whites that it's the black people keeping them down. Yeah. And we got to make the white people. Oh, yeah, because it wasn't the black people keeping them down. It was the the whites. And then they had to tell the black people it was the white people keeping them down. But they're all in the. I remember hearing things. I remember hearing the the Duck Dynasty guy. He got in a lot of trouble for this. But he was like, he was like, my my family worked in the same fields Mm -hmm. as black families. And <laughs> what, and what you I look, there's a lot of nuance to that statement, yeah. but there was, you know, he didn't, it didn't go over well. It don't sound like it aged well at all. <laughs> there's so much shit not to say. Yeah. Like there's so much shit you could just not say where yeah. you go. And by the way, I'm sure I'm guilty of it, but uh-huh. like anytime you try to connect, uh-huh. there are certain people, dude, Chad Ochocinco is one of the best on a podcast. So funny. He's so good on a podcast because 
he speaks wild crazy shit mm -hmm. who was the guy who said he could fight a wolf adrian uh arian 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 peterson not arian adrian peterson foster oh okay arian foster uh -huh. i think you went on rogan's podcast and said he could fight a wolf and win uh-huh i love that i love this that is, brain and the 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 non-self-awareness or ultimate self-awareness to actually fully believe that i fight a wolf for sure yeah, i i live in that world i live <laughs> in a, a world that's not real uh-huh and i don't know why it's really uh, it's like a bizarre world I, I talked to joe about this the last podcast we did by because i've done wild crazy shit and lived i kind of live in a world keep up padma she is so fucking beautiful She's i saw her gorgeous. in person one time oh, oh yeah I mean, stunning. I saw I mean, her two, three months ago. I was riding bikes. She was riding bikes. I was like, it's putting my luxury. Damn, you fell off my goddamn bike. But you, we got away from it. You would ask me as a attractive person, had I experienced less racism or do I? Did you ever see, you ever see, you ever see a, a very unattractive person of color? Yes. And then you go and they're angry and you, and, and you're like, you're like, yeah. No, like you're, you're taking a, you're forgetting the count. You're also unattractive. Mm -hmm. Like that adds into it. Yes. Like you know, like Patrice this is a perfect example. I can say this. Well, I can say this for two reasons. One, he's dead. But <laughs> secondly, secondly, he said this uh -huh. is that he goes, I know what I look like. He would say this on stage. I know what I look like. Look at me. He goes, I look fucking terrifying. <laughs> and but there's there are certain things that add into the equation, and you put race on that. Right. And you know, Patrice had broken fucking teeth. He was overweight. He was six five, six six. That's okay. Yeah. But like, like I always wonder, like, when if you are more attractive, because ugly white people just have—that's all they are—is ugly. They don't get to blame it on anything. Yeah, that could that be. But they, 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 then they blame it on things outside of themselves. They're like, oh, it's the black people that are yeah. causing me to be this way. But no, it's you. Just you're just very unattractive. Yes, it's your. The ugliness. guy I saw walking out of Burger King today. Uh huh. No luck I'm at all. I'm certain he, he's due this poor guy. Mm -hmm. I wonder what I could do to change that man's life. Like, I wonder if I gave him a million dollars and was like, hey, let's 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 make your dreams come true. It's, he's going to buy all the Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> that man don't know a million buys, dollars. He buys a gaming seat. Yeah. He just, he just pimps out his apartment. Which is also kind of beautiful. Like, a yeah. person doesn't change at all. It just has a stack of a million dollars in his apartment. It's like, oh, Burger King day. He's going back to take That would be nice. That You know, when you say your dad bought, uh, I would love to know the fear that went into buying a liquor store. Mm-hmm. At a, at a what i'm assuming was probably a modest income mm -hmm. to invest everything you had into a store mm -hmm. that has got to be fucking terrifying i think it was for him probably the least terrifying thing you could do because he you know not a college educated guy in a place where you know he's eight i think i don't, I don't know how old he was when they bought when he bought the store but like he doesn't know anything else so to, to then commit something outside oh, yeah, of that. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is all I know. I, I know how to make this work. I think I can make it successful. I've done it this far. Now it's time for me to get equity in the work I'm putting in. So I think it was actually the opposite. Oh, yeah. You know, See, I'm terrified to spend money. I, I am too. But, you know, the, the, the thing I've learned in the last two years, I produced a special myself, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so yeah. it was like I had that same fear when I was – about to put all this money down like i don't know what else to do though i got shit else this is the, i gotta take these shots right now like this is this is what i've 
work towards. This is what I put the money in. This is why I did all the stuff I've done. Everything has led me to this point. Why would I go and do something else with this money? Yeah. If not invested in myself. And I think that same, I would assume the same mentality my dad had. And I, that my, I should be talking to my dad more about entrepreneurship in general because comedy is a highly entrepreneurial thing. Dude, your dad's an expert. You know, in that specific thing. But in that specific thing, but in but that decision making process. Your dad, your dad, when you think about it, I, I, I'll put my dad in this category. My dad, you know, lost his father at 13. Mm-hmm. So my dad was independent his whole life. Uh, much like your father coming to this country. Well, granted, my dad was in a system set up by white people for <laughs> white people. Uh-huh. But like, but like that, that fear of, of like, like uh, starting your own business is terrifying. And, and anyone who started their own business and been, even moderately successful is insanely successful. Yeah. Like just not failing is, is success in and of itself. It's a, the, I don't have any fear anymore just in general. Like I think in the last, you know, two and a half years I've kind of shaken myself of whatever fear has existed in me. I think now it's the desire to keep it going and get better at it. And I think, uh, the, if there's a fear, it's like, will I be able to achieve that? If anything, and the, the the starting of a business and like seeing myself as an entrepreneur is like probably like the first step in that, in that direction. Like, oh, I am an entrepreneur. I've succeeded in what I've tried to do right now. And now it's time to keep building this business and growing with it. What you do know? you want? Like, this is a weird question because it's, it's very simple in that I just want to keep doing specials. Mm-hmm. I want to complete, I want to keep doing shows. I'd like to do more movies. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do a single camera scripted show i wouldn't mind selling and hosting a game show Mm -hmm. um but like it wasn't until very recently that i realized how i could affect my business Mm -hmm. and i I, honestly i'm i have to give credit where credit's due but it was by watching what joe and tom were doing Mm -hmm. and seeing that they were creating their own like you know for lack of better words and to steal adam carolla's words their own pirate ship mm-hmm. and sailing around and making the money they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you like? You're younger than I am, and I think you pop. You're definitely a lot more entrepreneurial than my generation. Mm-hmm. Where do you like? What like? Where do you see the business going, and where do you see yourself applying yourself? And where? How do you see yourself investing in the future? Uh-huh. Like that's it's a loaded question, but like, no, I appreciate. I it. look at like you guys who all have succeeded. I mean this with outside the industry. Like you didn't, you didn't lean on, you used managers and agents, but you used them. My generation, and you can see it in some of my generations, people who have kind of never really popped. Mm -hmm. My generation leaned on our managers and agents to make our careers. Mm -hmm. I mean, Barry Katz made people's careers. And there are people that never achieved much because they waited for Barry. Got it. And Barry Katz, I don't even know if you know who that guy is. No, I, I, the name sounds very familiar. He was but, the guy. Uh, he was the he was the kingmaker back in the day. Uh-huh. He was the, he is uh, he's definitely not the reason Chappelle is Chappelle, uh-huh. but he definitely was the guy that discovered Chappelle and put and and put Chappelle in a lot of the right positions to succeed on a huge level. Mm-hmm. Discovered Brewer, discovered Jay Moore, discovered uh, Louis C.K. Like discover, he discovered everyone. Just had the eye and, for it. Yeah, he uh, the guy was the guy was just. Why not? I mean, the eye is pretty fucking simple. He owned a comedy club. Oh, okay. And people destroyed. He'd be like, "Hey, you need a manager?" Pop, pop. I mean, <laughs> right. he didn't have an eye for it, but right. but he also created. I mean, he had at one point he had more development deals 
than any manager in the history of comedy. I mean, he had, he had a deal. He, the guy was, the guy was a game changer Mm -hmm. for a period of time was an absolute game changer, but there were people that waited for him. Yeah. And they're like, well, when's Barry going to do this for me? Well, you know, I've been in comedy since 2009, right? So I started. And so, you know, when I started in the business, so to speak, like I didn't really have a plan in terms of how it was going to go. Yeah. I just knew I liked being on stage and it was something I thought I could get good at. And, uh, uh, <laughs> that funny, you know, it, like, yeah. like that was you really, did, you did a lot of things in your life. And then the one thing that you did, you're like, I think I can get good at this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's the, that's the one thing we all have the same thought of like, I think I remember telling my dad, I, I, I played baseball with a guy who went pro and I remember wondering, I played with him my whole life and, and through high school. And I remember saying to my dad, how come no one talks about me the way they talk about him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when he plays, everyone goes, it's just, this guy was fucking magic. I mean, yeah. to, he was a he was a pitcher in the pros, but this guy could come out in high tops and basketball shorts with no shirt and hit home run after home run after home run without preparing, yeah, without even stretching. And my dad goes, "Buddy, there's just something special about him. Like yeah. it's just when you see it, you know it." And he goes, "The goal in life is to find your thing." That for Brad was baseball, yeah. And the first time I did stand up, I went, I, I found my thing. That for Brad was baseball. I think I think for me it was like, all right. Well, this is fun and different, and it's never some. It's not something I ever thought I'd find exciting until I did it. And I was like, "Oh, like all those times I was on, like you know, giving speeches in high school or talking to people in high school. Like it was in me to do that. And you know, like my, my grandpa was a teacher in India, and like he would address like hundreds of people at a time. So there's yeah. something in me to do that. And and when I got into the business, there was not really a plan. And for the longest time, you know. Every time I thought like low of myself or something like I didn't get Montreal in September in, in 2015, right? Like just for laughs. I think it was my second or third time auditioning and I was so fucking mad. I was like my third time auditioning. I thought I crushed my audition. I thought yeah. I was, fuck Jeff Singer, all this shit in my head. Fuck Jeff Singer. You know, <laughs> and, and I, was, I want to be like, take off that fucking hat. And, and like I had so many thoughts going through my brain and then I was running a show and, and Chris came and Chris told me I was funny after I went to rock. Oh yeah. 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 And he yeah, told me bad. I was funny. My bad. Rock came and was like, you're funny. I was like, that's the next boost I needed. Yeah. And then for like so long, I was like, what am I? It was like kind of just taking opportunities as they came. And then one pandemic happened and I, I joke about it, but it's also like the best thing that's ever happened to me Yeah, yeah. because it, it forced me to adapt. It put me in a situation where I was like, what am I going to do? I got all these chances. I've been trying. I, I was waiting for HBO to say yes or no to an hour that I sent them in 2019. Yeah. They said no. It's like, all right, fuck, what am I going to do? Didn't have a job. Put my hour out on uh, YouTube the first time, like twenty March 2020. It started seeing a lot of traction. And it was at that point where, you know, it was whole- really smart, by the way. March 2020 is a great time. To put yeah, up I was like, people are going to be home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, uh, uh, and I had all these clips on the cellar. Let me put those, let me start putting, let me put on my schedule. Let's, let's get those out. And were you doing this by yourself? Yes. Yeah. All that by myself. And at some point, you know, like that, that mantra of like, if you put something out in the universe, the universe will reward you. Yeah. I started really believing that on some spiritual shit. Like, oh shit. And then what that summer, it was an election year. One of my clips did like crazy well. Yeah. Revenue wise on YouTube and made more money on YouTube than I ever made 
the most still to this day like the most successful clip i ever had yeah and and i was like i'm on to something here you know yeah. and i was like all right time to fucking get going wife told me get on tiktok i didn't listen <laughs> my boy told me like two days later he's like get on tiktok I'm like, yeah you're right <laughs> you know how that goes and, and uh uh that was, I think, the first time I had any real agency on my own. And it became apparent to me, like, and this is something, you know, I give credit to Andrew for a lot. Like, no one's going to, and, and Che and a lot of other people have said similar things to me. It's like, you got to make your own. No one's going to be able to do it for you. And relying on people to do it, I may have been doing that. But until I put my own work in and proved to myself that if I do my own shit, it's just going to pop off. Yeah. Until I did that, then it became apparent this is what I got to be doing. So to answer your question of like, where do I see myself going, the industry going, like, it's kind of hard for me to assess the industry because my goal to this day and will remain this is to be the best stand-up. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I know I'm leaving money on the table with a lot of things. Like, I don't have a podcast. I might start one, but only because I want to, what I found very productive and beneficial for me when lockdown was going on was I had a podcast called Monday Night Knee Mesh where it was just like a bunch of people, like maybe 20, 30 people paying on Patreon where I could just get high and bullshit and like, but structured. Yeah. And it really helped me be prolific. When everyone was like wondering where they're going to get stage time, I wasn't wondering that. I was just writing every day. I bought joke exercise books. I was just like, I got to get discipline on my writing because that's the only thing I can get good at right now. And so I might bring that back. But all that to say, like, where do I see the industry going? Where do I see myself? I'm going to be f like this until my stand-up is where I'm like, I'm fucking monster. I'm going to, yeah. I'm destroying right now. I, I feel I'm doing, what I really like what I'm doing on stage right now. Um, there's moments where, God, it's just stupid. But for the most part, I'm like, I'm doing something that I don't think my peers are doing. I don't see a lot of people doing, yeah. uh, uh, crafting something that I find very special. Until I get to that point where I'm like, I'm fuck, I'm a beast. I'm in that pantheon of conversations, uh, and that might take forever. May never come, <laughs> you know. But it's like, but it, it's something. It's that Mamba mentality. It's like I'm, I'm gonna be the fucking best. Yeah, I have to be, and everything I'm doing is for that. Industry wise, like I think, you know. I, I do think I think that the entrepreneurial model is going to be replicated more. I think everyone's going to find their niche of being uh, uh, successful. But I do know if I know one thing about business is, is it always swings the other way. This the we're in this era of everyone's making their own way. You guys are pioneers in that. You know Schultz, Tim Dillon, like all these other people who have really outlined what is possible and demonstrated what is possible. I think we're going to get a lot more people. That are, I don't think a lot of people will be selling out, you know, Wembley or whatever the fuck it is you did, like at your level. But I think there's going to be people that are like right there. It's. I think we're in the. I answered this question for the Hollywood Reporter today. Mm -hmm. I think we're in the gold rush of comedy. I think you have more people independently making their own things. Autonomous autonomy is like at its the highest it's ever been. Yes, and you see guys like yourself selling out theaters that that candidly, and I, don't, I mean I don't know. If, but candidly, Chris Rock wasn't selling out when he was on SNL. Mm -hmm. Chris Rock, I mean, if you talk to Chris about it, I'm sure he'd say what he had to do to get to the place you're at right now yeah. was probably 
I would, I'm, I'm just guessing only because I know that like, you know, Rogan, Rogan at his, at his height when, when he was before the podcast, he was having a hard time selling out, uh, selling out. Maybe he's he, right now. He's like, bitch, I'd have a hard time, but, uh, <laughs> but like selling out, uh, theaters yeah and the people weren't doing theaters when i was started no one was doing theaters no one was doing theaters yeah and now theater the, i mean I, I don't even know how clubs get by yeah because all the all the great comics are all in theaters i think i i i will stay true to clubs as long as i can i love clubs uh oh, just fuck them gym wise fuck them the you, money you know, is so much better no, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm a i'm a club guy i'm doing madison i've been announced it but i'm uh -huh. doing madison wisconsin comedy all state oh i love that like room. right before my special because you, there's something about clubs where you have to the if you just do too many theaters you are you become very presenter yeah i, I hate that it's like yeah. one the one thing i hated uh or dislike the most about the special the thank you china special is that it's very performative it does like my goal was to make it feel like what it's like to see me live yeah. and i don't think i achieved that i think writing wise it's damn near flawless uh but i think performance wise like i know where i need to improve but to be fun and loose on a special the way chris rock was on bring the pain yeah to be fun and fucking moving and, and it's so fluid yeah to be so fluid in your hour that is where that's what right now i'm right now i'm i have uh about 30 days out before i shoot my special uh -huh. and Where are you shooting? Have, uh omaha okay i'm doing four shows in omaha nice. and uh and i just got the green light on my material meaning like i'm never i'm the least insightful dude on if my material's any good i just because i write very quickly so i, I for me it's easier to write a bit and then bail on it and do and write a new bit mm -hmm. than to commit to a bit because i just don't believe it it's whatever insecurities i have mm -hmm. and i performed it in front of the dude the dude the cuban guy i was telling you about that i grew up with mm -hmm. he's like one of the biggest comedy producers in in the in the in the business mm -hmm. he's producing my special and him and my wife and my manager came out to watch my new hour and i i didn't bomb but i did not do the best i had ever done and they mm -hmm. loved it and they were like oh my god it's fucking amazing and then i did the second show and i had a good show and they're like okay you don't you're good keep that material and they one bit they pulled out because they're like you don't need it uh but they're like keep that material and so now i have the material now i get to go and uh bedazzle it mm -hmm. that sounds crazy but i don't know if you've ever bedazzled a hat but you just add a little bit of flair yeah so you just add some flair and then shine it up smooth it out and get to a place where you're so playful inside it that when you perform it you are having fun yeah i think i think that's the goal ultimately to be the best for me is the to to seem like to know to have fun while i'm doing it on stage <sighs> and like that's the that's the ultimate goal from that perspective from a bit like get back to the business thing it's like i see a lot of because it's odd to me that there isn't a lot of outside money coming in like financiers people who are, i think i think we're going to figure out a model where there's a there's a return to be had in investing in comedians you know, and I yes. think there's there's already I know there's uh, I think touring companies and agencies already kind of do this. Yeah. Even if they're unaware of that, they're that's what they're doing. But it's like if like let's say let's say my close friend who's a hedge fund guy gave me a million dollars in return for ten percent of all my future earnings for the next whatever amount of years, 
and that's just a net present value calculation, right? It's just like, yeah. how much is this money worth? Hey, now? you really did go to business school. Yeah, yeah, like, you? What's, yeah. what's, the, what's the ROI? What, what do you think the risk appetite is for this? Here's my past performance. Here's what I think I'm going to be able to do. I'll give you X percent of my future earnings uh, if you give me this money now because I'm, I want the million now. I think that is going to be happening a lot, or it should be happening. Like the the revenue case on your tour or my tour is huge, right? Like yeah. this is a good returns. You can get a sizable return and it's not guaranteed, but for some people, there's a, a very likely chance you're gonna Chris sell. Rock is guaranteed. Right. There's a for Dave Spell it's guaranteed. Right. And so like so for them it wouldn't make the most sense to take any outside money. I just want the I'm taking all of them. I'm gonna sell. Yeah. But for someone like me, it, it, it might fund some other project that I got going on and I'm okay letting go 10% of future equity because I want to take that million bucks now. I'll have a conversation with you uh-huh. as soon as we end this because uh, you're, 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 you, are, you are already tapped into something that's already happening. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I, by the way, you, you're too fucking smart for this business. <laughs> you're fucking, that, that, I, 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 didn't, I would never have seen that as a possibility mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk we'll talk after this for sure and, but uh but yeah i think you're right i think there's i think i think what's right right now what's happened is we've cut out so many middlemen that brands are coming right to the comic going like hey how do we make something with you yeah how do we get you to promote our brand how do you how do we get you how do we get you to be the face of our brand what what do you want do you want an investment in the company do you want i mean i mean quite honestly liquid death oh liquid uh, death can i tell you a quick two quick stories please, about please. it one you mentioned omaha the colleen yes her son son yes 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 so she asked me what i thought and i was like i think it's a real dumb name it bothers me because i love water yeah uh but it's a good product second story was it which bachelor party was it It it's one of my bachelor parties i i think i had two or three (laughs) yeah uh because wedding got postponed so many times yeah and i went with my cousins in one group my nyu friends in another group and so it was one of my my one of my bachelor parties were in miami and uh it's a day party i bet your cousin's bachelor party was so much fun <laughs> we, we uh, that's the one i would have wanted to go to oh my cousin's bachelor yeah, i bet you have a fat cousin i, got I bet it. you have like a fucking pimp cousin i got some wild cousins i man. bet you do <laughs> I got you some... have a picture of your cousin's bachelor party i would love no, to see no, what no, those no, guys look no, like no, no i got i got a picture of my cousin somewhere but uh uh no bachelor party photos were taken <laughs> uh but we were we were what's it called so there's a day party in miami uh you know space the club no. like space is a fantastic club in miami it's the spot to go to edm music and yeah. shit they had a day party like at a park outside and so the EDM, edm dj like a, a party bus and shit me and my cousins we all take molly and uh <laughs> obviously and, <laughs> and uh, uh sorry i'm snitching uh, <laughs> you got five doctors right now yeah, yeah. Like, Shit. i got i did all the molly i promise <laughs> uh and and you know about my uh, the thing about molly is not supposed to drink alcohol you know you get dehydrated fuck you up uh so we're at i'm sure you and people I got, do drink. i got slipped molly by oh, Ari. Oh, I heard big, that story, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I drank the whole night. No. I drank all night on the plane. <laughs> Keep you, going. Yeah, yeah. So I know I don't drink alcohol when I'm on Molly because I know I'll drink you feel like God. So you're yeah. gonna keep drinking. We go to the we go to the we go to the waitress, we're like, we want a table. Like it's gonna be a, a bottle, a, a bottle of vodka or whatever. Like, no, 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 no. Give us a hundred waters. We got eight hundred bucks worth of liquid death. 
Oh my god! <laughs> we just started handing it out at the fucking at the <laughs> at the day party. Like, yo, water? You want some water? We got you. What? We go into this bus. There's a party bus. We start talking to all these people. Water, water for everybody. Everybody's getting fucking water. Yeah. End up talking to this beautiful woman and the guy she's with, and the guy uh, I learned later is a former hockey player enforcer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, really? And so, like, but I'm talking to this dude, like. And his girl, like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm, like, not flirting with her, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, being, yeah, like, yeah. just a fucking gregarious person that I'm not if I'm not on Molly. <laughs> and no point does it cross my brain. This dude it could easily fuck me up. Like, yeah. I, I say, what up? His hand is, like, Shaq's hand. It's, like, yeah. super big. And I'm, like, thank God for liquid death. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm giving everyone, if not for, and now this guy is one of my friends. Like, he's come to shows before. Oh, for like, real? Nicest guy in the world, Jason. He's, like, super fucking sweet. What's his name? I want to see a picture of him. Jason Garrison. Uh, Jason Garrison. Yeah, he's a former enforcer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I grew up in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm a like huge Lightning fan. Twelve years for them or something. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. He twelve years in the NFL, in the NHL. But yeah, like the nicest fucking guy ever. Yeah, and, and all because he's of this a big fucking dude. Yeah, he's 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 massive. Yeah, that's him. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. But like the nicest dude of all time. A Canadian dude, so that's why he's nice. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's why he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's just super cool. But also, you know, like jujitsu fighters, like black belts in MMA, like they're, they're always they're always the like calm, too. yeah, because yeah. they know just fuck you up. And yeah. so, and because of Liquid Death, I'm dude, just, Liquid Death, Liquid Death, I I met those guys a long time ago, mm-hmm. and they were like, um, they were like, uh, yo, would you know, you know, would like to work with you? Yeah, and I said, yeah. And so I've been working with Liquid Death now for um, maybe maybe three years. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. But we just did a ad campaign. Oh shit! Yeah, you didn't see it? No, I haven't seen it. It was uh, I it was great. It was uh, Body by Burt. I dressed up in 1980s uh, workout gear, uh-huh. and uh, I did a workout video for Liquid Death, and uh-huh. it, it performed really well. Is it, did you lift the cans or? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just I acted very effeminate mm-hmm. not even effeminate just fat in a speedo with here pull up liquid death body by burt and you'll see the picture but we did a photo shoot the photo shoot was fucking awesome uh-huh. and uh, those guys were just cool as fuck Are they, and they're, they're like, young right what yeah 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 they're uh i got introduced to colleen's son mm-hmm. and so they're cool as shit and they're like yo well, let's do something cool and let's cut out the middleman and let's just do it yeah and uh yeah that's the oh that's hilarious yeah so um and so then it Fantastic. performed well. It yeah. does well. It gets it got huge write ups in like uh, in ad magazines. Like, and then you start going, where where's the ad company in this? And and why are we cutting? You know, then you have brands that are like, they're like, yeah, we did like a workout video, and so uh, you start going like, well, that's the future. The future is what we're doing with podcasting. Where yeah. you know, I'm trying to think of a sponsor, uh, freeze pipes. <laughs> you know, like they're like, yo, let's get you some product. Let's see if you like it. Direct to the yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, t- the other day we got um we got a ton of glasses from Gooder, like s- sunglasses. They're oh. great fucking sunglasses. Uh-huh. Uh, they gave sent over like ten pairs of sunglasses. My mom grabbed three, and then all of a sudden, uh, Muggsy Jeans. Muggsy Jeans is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muggsy Jeans sends over some jeans, and I'm like, oh, has no one ever tried these jeans? We got a whole team meeting. Everyone's like, are they good? And I'm like, are you fucking serious? And then I'm like, everyone buy a pair of Muggsy jeans on the corporate card real quick. Everyone gets a pair of Muggsy jeans. And then and then everyone gets them. And they're like, these are the greatest fucking jeans. By the way, that's just them sending product. Yeah. And me, like, it, it starts a conversation that's organic and real. And then you hit up. You're like, yo, man, can we do, is there something to do? 
and that it, and once that goes to the next level i think that's where fucking real money shows up there's certain products you get where you're like oh this is this is, i'm into this i think you know as we as we round back to where the future of the business is going i just see like it feels like comics are finally at a point where we can be spokespeople for something and people are like validify that yeah and so it becomes i think we're gonna see a lot you guys leading the way again of people following that that 50 cent model that like uh, vitamin water shit vitamin water look have you ever had fucking fit vine no Uh, look they're not i don't think they're currently a sponsor Uh of the podcast uh i get product from them i buy product from them i went to what's that yeah yeah pass me a bottle uh, I'll give you a bottle to take home. You, where you stay at the hotel? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a couple of bottles to take home. They're fucking amazing. Please. So this is their Syrah. This is their best one, in my opinion. Uh-huh. This is my favorite. Um, these guys uh, created a vine that had less, uh, I'm not doing the read, but less tannins, less sugar, uh-huh. less sulfites in it. And that's the stuff. By the way, that's the stuff that very complex wines are made of. Yeah. Um, but it's also the stuff that gives you a hangover. And so when I went to Serbia, I... I didn't have any fucking hangover from any of the wines. And uh-huh. I kept saying, why not? And the lady said, this is like a family wine. What we make here is family wines because no one has tons of money in Serbia. So it's like a family wine. It's not very complex. And she goes, there's not a lot of sugar. There's not a lot of tannins and there's not a lot of sulfites. So that's why you're not getting hungover. Mm-hmm. We all can have a bottle of wine and go get our job done the next day. That's mm-hmm. how it's very big, very popular in Italy, in, in, uh, in Italy uh, Montenegro, uh, Croatia, like all that area was, they, it was, there was a lot of poverty, so that it was socialist for a long time. Uh-huh. So they made family wines. They'd make their own wines. Uh-huh. And so it's not a very complex wine, meaning if, if you're a connoisseur, you may be like, Ugh. however, you taste test this against any fucking wine. Uh-huh. I can't tell the difference. I cannot tell the difference. This Syrah is fucking phenomenal. Okay. Like I said, there you will not see a read for this. This is authentic. Yeah. And so I fucking, I can do a read for Fitvine uh-huh. like that without even fucking thinking about it because if i drink a bottle of this at night i can go out have a glass with dinner maybe two my wife can have a glass we go out on the porch i have a cigar i can finish the bottle i might open a second bottle have a big tall glass before i go to bed Uh and guess what the next morning i can bang out a fucking workout i get in the gym i have no hangover i had a great night the night before i can perform at my highest level and i can murder a fucking workout and like i said they're not a fucking sponsor, but let me tell you something, Fitvine. If you want to fucking hit me up, your boy's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm it's just, too. it's just. I'll give you those both those bottles of Syrah. Please. Take them back to your hotel. Enjoy it. And you're gonna go, and then tomorrow morning when you wake up, you'll be like, shit, man, I feel fucking phenomenal. Look, you can't. Here's the thing. You actually cannot pay for what I just did, right? Because I, because, because it's it's more authentic. Because what i've said is what i mean yeah and like and 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 they didn't they didn't pay for that like i obviously i'll do a read for fitvine if they want to do i'll do reads all day right. and i'll be as maybe as enthusiastic but probably not as enthusiastic as i was just yeah, then I hear and you. especially for a free read on a podcast but that that's the shit that you invest in is like the stuff where you go like the warren buffett mentality i want to be able to touch the products yeah. that i invest in i only invest in things that i use all the time yeah you know like i'm invested in american express like my stock holdings right is amex amazon netflix a few other things that's it it's, it's, yeah uh, by the way amazon's <laughs> the fucking greatest thing in the goddamn it's world it's the wildest fucking I've, it's changed my life i hate it but i love it but i, I hate I, it. I just bought hair clippers today uh, and i was like 
I was like, I don't even know where I'd find these. I don't know where I'd be able to look at a selection of hair trimmers and go, no, no, no. You go to Rite Aid and they've got three sets yeah. and they're all wall. And they're behind the fucking yeah. glass. I, I don't know where I can get an option. I was looking for elbow sleeves because I had surgery uh -huh. and we're doing 100 push-ups a day this month. And I was looking for elbow sleeves. You go on fucking Amazon, you see every fucking elbow sleeve you've ever seen in your life. And you can get them tomorrow. Yeah, it's the best. It's, I got a it's camera. Pure evil, but it's the best. Casey and I still had a camera that I saw, Canon, Canon G60 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want one of those. And Leanne goes, just have Amazon get it. And I was like, I'm gonna go buy it. This is this is the day I changed on Amazon. Uh -huh. I think I go, it's specific, babe. I think I'm gonna go buy it. She goes, You can go on Amazon. A lot of times they'll have it to you today. And I go, baby, I want it right now. And she goes, see, and Amazon Prime delivered to, to me that day. And I was like, well. I guess I'm an addict now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm addicted to that shit. Yeah, you got to have a podcast, man. You're I, too smart. You're too fucking. My podcast, thank you for that. And you're I, a fun dude to be around. I could talk you. to you for hours. I'm going to start one. It's going to be called I don't, Practice. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I just, I just, like, I'm very selfish with my time in that I want to, I want to be as productive as possible with the things I'm doing. Yeah. And so, like, my, my podcast would be, like, an hour long. I'm going to talk. What I've realized in the last two years, when I started comedy, I wanted to do a lot of, I, Chris is like my guy. Like yeah. I, I wanted to emulate, not his style he's, necessarily. Just for the record, he's all of our guys. Yes. All of us saw him and we're like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, ever. yeah. And, and so when I saw, like I wanted to emulate his ability to talk about real shit. Yeah. In the last year and a half, I've been so focused on myself personally, and, and by, either by, because that's what I had to talk about, the material I developed, or because this year it's been like, I have to talk about this cancer shit, right? Like, it, yeah. it's God has given me this thing. But my next, we're always thinking about what the next thing is going to be. For me, it's like, I want to I want to make sure people know, and I know that I can talk about fucking anything, and it be insightful, incisive, and fuck funny. And so the practice podcast is going to be me read learning that skill of like i gotta read the paper i gotta be oh this is what's going on in the world today what the fuck is fucked up about this going on in the yeah. world today you know like my last my last kind of secular thought was about afghanistan and it's a joke i did and it never really panned out but to me it's just the funniest thing of like and it was inspired by um you ever you ever read or listen to that speech the uh why i opposed the war in vietnam by martin luther king jr no it's Apparently, it's some say it's the speech that got him killed because he was so adamant and like Is so. It on YouTube, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's right. you can read it, but in it, he's I'm talking, definitely not going to read it. <laughs> but in it, in it, it's like twenty minutes long. But he's talking about why are we going to war, and we're putting white kids to fight alongside black kids to kill a oh, brown. That's so case. crazy! I wrote why I oppose, and immediately the first thing came yeah. up a Martin Luther thing. It's a fantastic speech. Okay. Uh, but in it, you know, he's detailing like, why are we going to war? And it's such a crazy irony he's pointing out. And so like, that was my mindset when I'm looking at Afghanistan, like we just spent $2 trillion to build schools, hospitals, and democracy in Afghanistan. Meanwhile, we don't have that shit here. None of that shit exists here. No. And like that to me is such a funny thought, but it's not, oh, ha, ha, like it's not a hard joke, but I want to get I want to re get better at that skill set. 
And so, you know, that podcast idea, like that's the only reason I would make it happen. And like, I just want to be able to do and then connect with fans and all that kind of shit. But it's very yeah. selfish. No, no, that's not, it's not selfish, dude. I, I appreciate you coming to do this, man. I'm, I'm thank you fan. very much I'm for having fan. me. You're fucking, thank you, man. You're smart as fuck. Appreciate you're it. Real, I, and it's so funny. I know you're a fan of Patrice's. He would have fucking loved you. I love Patrice, man. Thank you. That means a lot, man. Yeah. I would love to fucking. His, he liked, he liked brains like yours. He would have beaten the fuck up out of you for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah because he wasn't the most <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, so that was patrice uh -huh. but then when you turned a corner with him he was your ride or die and he yeah, would fucking yeah. go to go to war for you and and yeah, i think he would have loved you man I'm, thank I'm, you very much man. i appreciate it i feel privileged to get to sit down with you you know the privilege is all mine bro thank you very much i appreciate thanks and for having me india. let's do it man let's I, do it i'm down okay well i'll tell you when okay i'll tell you when we'll pull the trigger let's it's gonna, go it's gonna be april <laughs> it's gonna be april <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah. i'm trying to get it to happen okay april? i'm trying to get it to happen okay let's go i'm gonna i'll tell tj my agent be like hey clear my shit who's your, your tj mark walter <laughs> i right, love yeah, that yeah, guy. that's my guy yeah i love that guy oh, yeah, tj's He's the fucking and reg, reg tigerman is my manager oh, you work with reg yeah, yeah oh yeah. shit yeah, yeah i'm fucking what uh that's veer Doss. he's he's yeah, Veer's yeah. guy yeah 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 we connected uh pam you know pam no. uh, pam loshek's publicist uh uh my publicist and she's good friends with him but she i think i reached out to a few people like yo i need when i left my manager and agent at the time i was like i need a few people reg was one of the first people to reach out to me and you know chad always taught me only fuck with people who fuck with you in yeah. that be with someone who wants to be with you don't yeah. go out looking for people it's not it's, it's it's not your it's a waste of time if you sign with someone who's not if they get you yeah they're like we got your caa and right. caa doesn't in, isn't interested yeah yeah and so reg was the first people first person to reach out and like i had just finished a a cartoon called zoo idiots with mookie like mookie yeah. and i over pandemic uh we wrote and created a cartoon called zoo idiots and, and uh i played one of my characters that i voice acted was a a pansexual tiger <laughs> and so when when reg called me with the last name tiger man i was like i gotta sign with this guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign from he's his got universe. the most deceptive name yeah yeah because you think reg tigerman and i remember the first time i ever talked to him on the phone uh -huh. he was like answering phones at uh levity and he was like hey man i i really liked your special i said thanks man what's your name he goes reg and i just thought it'd be a black dude yeah yeah <laughs> and then i showed up and i saw him and he was like reg tigerman and i was like you do not look like a tigerman <laughs> but that's you, who he yeah, is yeah, yeah. This definitely is he was with me when when all that period when um i was kind of redefining my career and going and searching out shit i liked mm -hmm. it was he was my he was my day-to-day -day point guy over at levity at the time uh -huh. and uh very pivotal in like in like uh I would find something like like uh, there was a show called Hot Ones, and I was like, "Yo, get start me making that. calls, get me on Hot Ones." And he was like, "Yeah, they're not doing comics; they just do hip hop." And I was like, "I was like, all right." And then I started tweeting about it, and I was like, "I was." And then Sean and I became friends, and then Sean hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, we're getting comics on. You want to be on?" And I was like, "Fuck yes, amazing." Yeah, but yeah, Reg is a great guy. He's yeah, a great yeah, guy. Reg and TJ, that's my team right now. But yeah, I'll, I'll let them know we're going to India india yeah i would be that would be i'm excited so much man fun. i'm I, excited yeah let's do it I, all right let's make it fucking happen done thank you thank you this episode was brought to you by the machine